0: Welcome to Trivially Crucial, where we believe every camera angle, comic pain, word choice, and boss battle is important and critical to our lives, no matter how unimportant a story may seem. Like many a comic su- book superhero, we've been gone a while. As you may have noticed, we've been on a hiatus for no particularly planned period of time, but we're back with the premiere of Season 2. And by we, I mean your daring do-gooders, Michael. And Mandy. So uh, for this reunion episode, we'll be highlighting a fictional character especially equipped to enjoy podcasts as a medium. that's right. We're discussing our favorite avocados at law, Foggy Nelson, and his partner Matt Murdock, occasionally known as the blind, demon-suited crime fighter Daredevil. Um, Specifically, we're discussing the first, and only, currently, season of the new Daredevil show on Netflix in its entirety. So, uh, there will be spoilers. Spoilers will abound. There are lots of spoilers, so turn back now if you haven't seen it, or, uh listen to it, with the amazing alternate audio track made specifically for the visually impaired, which, Mandy, do you know about that?
1: I do know about that. I knew that they didn't have it at first, and people complained, and Marvel released it.
0: Uh, well, they, it was, I think, I'm not sure if it was Marvel or Netflix, because Netflix actually, they did that first, Well, and one then of the companies. F- yeah. Well, so Netflix is actually, they've been doing a lot of stuff, um, they've been trying to do a lot of stuff for that, um, and they've actually added a little bit more recently. Um, I think They've promised, some for, promised or released some for House of Cards and a few of their other Netflix original shows. Um, but I feel like it's pretty neat for Daredevil to be the first one that they do that with. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, Mandy, do you have any just overarching things you'd like to start off with, whether about the show itself or about the way that it was presented or anything of, of that sort?
1: Uh, let's see. It was nice to have it all drop at one time, and it was very much like one long movie. Uh, which uh, I enjoyed Um, to be able to just marathon it. Not that I did actually marathon it in one day, because not even I apparently am that hardcore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, it was much darker than anything else Marvel has produced for the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
0: Yeah, I. uh, so I guess on both, A, it's much darker, and I know that Neither you nor I really like things that are really dark. I probably like some types of media darker than you do. Um, but the violence was uncomfortable, definitely.
1: Agreed. I had to hide my eyes. <laughs> uh,
0: I didn't have to hide my eyes, but I was definitely made uncomfortable by it repeatedly. And it's really interesting the way they tie that in the universe. Um, we'll get back to that, uh, because I think that we can go on to some larger themes off of that. But uh, another thing, too, is um, but, you know, the whole dropping at once thing. It, it goes into some discussions you and I have had before about mediums and changing mediums and i really feel like uh and this is not exclusive to daredevil um but tv has started to become a much longer longer form of media uh lately or it's it's become much more streamlined and people have been turning to tv for a lot of storytelling that was pretty much limited to, to film at one point um and i think that the way that netflix shows have gone i mean you i don't think you've watched house of cards but uh, this feels similar in that it's, it really, it's not episodic at all. Um, the the episodes, while there are central conflicts for the episodes, it really does kind of feel like it's a, to me, a season with maybe four parts, um, and that there are several, like, the the episodes didn't need to necessarily end when where they did. It's more of a like, all right, here's a good stop- stopping point, but we know you're just going to start the next episode as soon as you can anyways. Right. Um
1: which and and cool. there and there was no illusions about that, right? Like right. there was no previously on Daredevil. I, uh, I it would almost be impossible to watch this, you know, very far apart all of the episodes. Um, which I think is an interesting way to do it. They, they, they know we're all going to watch it in you know not one sitting necessarily, but in a very short period of time.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, and I think that's great, honestly. The the fact that they know we're going to do it, the fact that because they don't have to deal with the limitation of having to keep your interest and make sure that you want to come back next week um, and that you remember the details that you need to know for next week, uh, it really frees them up to do some things, um, to just kind of tell the story the way they want to do it. Um, and again, sort of as one really long film. Uh, tying it back into the way that you talked about this being very a very dark part of the MCU, um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think is really neat. Um just kind of as a, you know, we may touch on details later if we can remember which particular episodes certain things happen in. But uh, I really like how they barely link it to the MCU, but you know it's there. Um, it's, it's really like, uh, you know, very early on, they mention, you know, going into the first episode, they mention that Hell's Kitchen is in this situation that it's in because of the incident, which is alluding to Avengers, um, which is neat, you know? I, uh, I,
1: I'm of two minds about uh, how little they mentioned it. One, they, they had to mention everything that had happened because it happened. And it does directly affect the events of Daredevil, right? Like, everything that's happened is because they're trying to rebuild Hell's Kitchen after uh, the Avengers. Yep. On the, and they really limited their mentions to almost like these little tiny drops of like somebody being like, well, unless you have a hammer
0: (laughs) or, uh, Uh, or small Easter eggs on walls.
1: Right. Right. Um, and part of me is like, if we really lived in a world with the Avengers, it would be mentioned more than that. Uh, another part of me is like, well, it was mentioned as appropriate for the most part. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think that the natural state of things would probably be a little bit more mentioning here and there, um, although we also don't necessarily... Do we know exactly what time frame this takes place in relative to all the other things that are going on?
1: Uh, just that it's post-Avengers, um, and that it's post-enough from the Avengers that rebuilding is happening and occurring. They're not, like, clearing rubble or anything, right? Like, right, right. So, but, but we don't know if in relation to Iron Man 3 or Captain America 2. So I'm or fine, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I'm fine with those events specifically not being mentioned. Um, and you know, some of it might just be because our characters are lawyers or whatever. And maybe we'll see it change as we go further forward. I just feel like uh, current events and figures of that magnitude are actually mentioned a lot. At least with people I hang out with in everyday conversation. Not even like talking about being, like, obsessed with the Avengers or whatever, but, you know, the Avengers would be on the level of, like, political figures slash, like, the Kardashians, you know? Something right. on that level that gets mentioned in a lot of conversations, whether you care whether you care about the Kardashians or not. Like, it gets mentioned in conversations around you, you know?
0: Yeah. And, and part of it is, you know, it's a matter of, there's a couple things going on here, of course. One is that Daredevil is historically limited to Hell's Kitchen, which is just a neighborhood of New York City. Um, you know, and this sh- his the comics and this show are really centered on Hell's Kitchen specifically, not the city on a larger scale, not the world on a larger scale. Um, and it, you know, you kind of, you have to think about it and see, because a- as you said, like, can we make the argument that they mentioned it in the aspects of conversations where they it would have naturally come up? So, it, it, you know... Because you also have to think about the fact that we're not seeing every conversation all these people are having. We're having. Right. We're, we're, seeing we're seeing the conversation.
1: We're seeing very specific conversations, you know? And I mean, most of the times I feel like when the Avengers were mentioned, I remember specifically Wesley mentioning it. And it's like. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Leland mentions the idea of heroes a lot, especially in the first episode. Right. Um, and how it's good for business or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like, I don't know, Foggy strikes me as a type of person who would, like, think it was really cool. I mean, this is a guy who had dinosaur figures on his cubicle at their fancy. I mean, they had to have been his. Matt can't see the dinosaur figures. Um, (laughs) So, like, I feel like he's the kind of guy who would have, like, you know, action figures and stuff like that. And uh, would just bring it up more. I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, well and that's the thing too, and we'll we'll get into this later. But um, you know, there's somebody that Foggy has a particular relationship with, and I can imagine where like in those in the conversations he has with with her, you know, maybe he'd mention it in there, but it's just like, you know, the types of conversations we sent tend to see him seeing in this show or see Matt. him having in the show are with Matt and they're very <laughs> focused right. about specific things and so it would be less likely to come up. So um and we can, again, we can come back to this theme as we go, um, as we kind of I also, I discuss. also
1: wonder, like, how, how interesting, like, what happened with the Avengers was so otherworldly. Like, how would that even be? Like, Matt didn't see it, obviously. And since he right. wasn't physically there, I assume. Like, he didn't get any sort of peripheral sense off of the aliens. Like, you would... How, how would you describe that? I don't know. I, it would be crazy.
0: I mean, I'm sure he's read science fiction in some of some sort in his life. So well, I'm
1: not sure. Matt Murdock doesn't strike me as a science fiction kind of guy.
0: <laughs> he, uh, he's, nobody's avoided all science fiction. <laughs>
1: That's I mean, true. We'll use Star <laughs> Trek to explain it to him. Uh.
0: Exactly. You know, you, you'd explain it to him in, in the context of, well, I mean, he's not really seen movies since he was like seven. Um, but... Uh, or tv really but Star Trek all right right, we'll, we'll get existed so. that's true uh okay well let's let's go ahead and get started talking about you know actual content of the show and we can pick up these themes as they as as they work so um i guess the very beginning uh does the first episode have the regular intro the the animated
1: i uh, i can't remember but i think it does cuz i remember I, so. I remember being just like Stunned by it in that first episode when I saw it.
0: This actually ties into something, now that I think about it, that ties into something else, That going back to the medium itself and the Netflix streaming thing. I was, I really liked that intro, um, and I think you do too?
1: I love that intro.
0: Okay, so I really like it, but I am a little bummed that they show you the suit, more or less.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I think, because, I, I'm yeah. of two minds about that. Because they also, they also call him Daredevil. I mean, there's no beating around the bush. You know that's, that's who this guy is. Uh, and um, it kind of gave you that this is what we're leading towards. This is going to happen in this show. Right. Right. Which we don't get that until the last episode. So I think you kind of needed it. That this, this guy is going to grow up to, I say grow up, he is going to evolve into Daredevil. You know, at the beginning, he has no name. He has no costume. We'll talk about this non-costume because I I love it. But. Me too. Uh, <laughs>
0: well, I, and that's the thing, is though, is when I was watching, and I don't know if this is true for everybody, but Netflix itself never showed me his suit until after I finished watching the show. And I don't know if that's an intentional thing or if it just happens to be when I finished it and then they changed what thumbnail they were using. But the entire time I was watching the show and I would go through the menus... It always just showed me his get-up in the, like, you know, the No, I think the mask it showed the... me
1: the Daredevil suit.
0: Interesting. Okay, so I liked that, though. I liked that I didn't see the suit except for in the intro until when he got the suit, you know? Um, but, I don't know. A- anyways, that that whole thing, that was just a, a little... So, going into this intro, though, like, tell me tell me why you love this
1: intro. I love it because it's unexpected. Like... I don't, it's like blood or wax dripping everywhere, right? And both of those things kind of give you the tone of the show to begin with, because whether it's blood or wax, both of those things are kind of like a candle melting is, I guess it could be either, right? And when you think of Matt Murdock, yes, you think of mud, but I I also think of his Catholicism It's very similar to his character. And when I think of Catholicism, I think of lighting candles and stuff. Um, So... And just, like, seeing it form first, like, the first images, it is forming justice. And uh, and that's super important to the show, right? Justice is blind, and just the whole concept of justice. And it's kind of like Matt Murdock's catchphrase. Um, and then I talked about um, uh, it's constantly moving. Um, it's, like, dripping down, and the image itself is constantly moving. Uh, and how Matt, uh, he doesn't see uh, the the world is not stagnant to him. Um, he cannot see, like, a picture or a single image, right? Uh, he sees a world in motion or a world on fire, as he describes it. Um, so the fact that the images are constantly moving are more along the lines of how he sees the world. And then I talked about how I really loved the music and how it was just beautiful and how the whole thing altogether just says that this is going to be something different, something Marvel has never produced before.
0: Okay, well... Uh, I agree on all those counts. Um, definitely, the the justice is, is blind thing. I think is, I mean, it's obvious that that's what they're going for. Um, and I think it's the, you know, sometimes simple and clear is great. Um, and I think this is one of those cases where it really is. It's like, hey, we're setting the tone. Um, yes, it. You might think it's a little heavy handed, but blind superhero who is also a lawyer, justice is blind. Um, you know, and, and it really is definitely something that Matt Murdock can kind of use as a. Something you know, it's just, it fits him perfectly. Um, I do like the idea that it, it does draw the attention. Uh, I mean, the music is of course great and it really does draw though your attention to the fact that it's, uh, there's something about the sincerity of blood that kind of, that it evokes for me. Um, but also for me, the way that, um, uh, and I think, you know, you kind of touched on this a bit is with the way that Matt sees the world, um, It's not filled with color, but he does see all the contours of it. And kind of the idea of wax coating things is even... I mean, having known about Daredevil's powers previously, that's kind of how I imagine his, you know, radar sense, which is never actually used at all in this show, which is cool because that's what they call it in the comics most of the time, is that he has a radar sense. Um, But, you know, that's how I envision his power working, is kind of like a, you know... He sort of just gets like a, a coded topography of the area around him. And then, you know, with his other senses giving him the the granularity and kind of the, the texture to it.
1: Fun fact, I read an article that was talking about the intro. Um, and it was talking about how Marvel or Netflix or whoever it was uh, had put out feelers to like a bunch of companies, right, to make this intro. Because um, uh, obviously it's all CG. And... Uh, Almost everyone produced something that was like some variant of like the radar sense, like echolocation. Um, And then this company, whoever it was, I I can't remember, um, presented this and just like all the executives were blown away. And they were like, this is it. It, This is how Matt sees the world. (laughs) And and
0: that makes total sense to me because, you know, I don't see his radar sense as being echolocation. And it's interesting because in the comics, a lot of the time it's not displayed as such. It's not like he's echolocating. He's, right. you know, because the world is covered in sound. Like, even when we think it's totally quiet, quiet, there's sound. He's not producing the sound. He's not, like, pinging it off. There's sound coming from everywhere, and he's kind of hearing the cacophony of that in a way that defines shape, you know? And um, and it just, again, kind of like the light. It's not right. like we're sitting there sending sending light out from our eyes in order to get it back. We're seeing the light that's sent from elsewhere. And
1: I, and I think that's why they straight away from the radar sense in general because radar is not an appropriate word for that right Absolutely. like it's it's a misunderstanding of the what they're trying to get across and yes it's in many ways i think if matt described it as radar sense like i wouldn't be surprised because it's probably the easiest way to describe it to people even if that's not what it is you know like it's like radar leave me alone you know uh but right. that—that's not how Matt sees the world. He's not a radar. He's not sending out a ping to get a response. Um, yeah,
0: he is essentially seeing with his ears, uh, with, while the other detail is being filled in with his, you know, sense of smell and taste and so on. Right. Um, you know, uh, but it—but it really is kind of like, and that's an interesting thing because it bugged me at first. Um, and w- I guess we'll get to it. we we'll, because there's a specific scene in a later in a in an episode that will. Uh, when, when he describes this, that, uh, there are a couple of scenes and that, that both bug me, but also that I also like, I, I mean, I have mixed feelings about le- several things in the show and there actually, I have a lot of criticisms about the show that I've not heard a single other person make, um, which kind of makes me, I, I, which I like because they are the kinds of criticisms that I have of other shows that I think people make too harshly about them. And then I'm like, it doesn't ruin them, but we'll get to that too. Continuing on from the the intro, and before we go on to specific scenes later on let's uh let's get back to this first episode and just talk about the way they they introduce things um, I mean we know that kind of the again the situation is that it's hell's kitchen after the incident um, you know we hear that through conversations we basically do
1: we do we start with that or do we start with Matt being blinded
0: um, is he is that shown afterwards?
1: I thought uh, it was shown at the very beginning of the episode, like even before the intro.
0: It, it may be. I mean, go ahead, we can we can talk about that. I mean, they show that he's blinded. Um I like that they don't go too crazy into detail on it. Um it's you know, we show that he's blinded as a kid. Um you know, in an accident, and that's an accident a,
1: where he saved somebody.
0: Yeah, an accident where he saved somebody, which shows him some that like, you know, he has a certain character as a child. Um, but other than that, like, they don't go crazy into it. We're, like, even throughout the show, we don't get a detailed backstory with, like, craziness involved, you know? It's,
1: <laughs> Radioactive material. <laughs>
0: right. I mean, you assume it's because it's not just his natural senses. It's because of whatever got in his right. eyes, you know? But they're like, you know what? These are people watching a superhero show. They know the drill. And I, I, I think
1: I, I'm kind of of two minds with that, though, because, like... I went into it saying that, but I know other people who are like, wait, so does he actually have superpowers? Or is this, like, are we saying this is something, like, all blind people could have? Am I supposed to assume that that stuff that went in his eyes was, like, magic? Uh, And
0: I will honestly say that I think that is the fault of those viewers. Um, Like, and I, I say that not to hold, like, much on them, but I think that they're overthinking it. Because the show, in my mind, the show does a good job of being like, it really, like... You know he's exceptional, um, not because of what he does as an adult, but because later on as the show goes of like how he clutches his head and stuff like, you know. And then it's like, well, maybe it's because of that stuff. Maybe it's not. But you know he's special. And it kind of leaves it ambigu- uh, ambiguous, but Matt doesn't really know. And what does it really matter? The situation right. is what it is, you know? Like, I, I and, think and it's – the, it.
1: the only thing about it is I think, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this very moment – is straddling a line, right? Uh, right. Where it's going from scientifically based powers, which Matt is still a part
2: Ostensibly,
1: of, you know. uh, to powers that are not so much. And yes, people, you know, even the MCU tries to say, well, Thor and Loki and them are aliens, you know, so that's what makes them special. But soon, you know, we're getting Doctor Strange, we've already got Scarlet Witch, and then we'll talk about later in this episode, there's a, what do they call it? I want to say Black Sun, but I'm also pretty sure that's the name of an evil organization in Star Wars, so I'm not sure if that's what it is. Um, <laughs> but we'll talk about that later, you know. Um, and I could feel it. I could feel this show setting up for Iron Fist, right, which, will, will, which, will, which presumably will cross that line, uh, right. just no looking back. Um, so, you know, I, I think they left it open as part of that, as part of the, you know, doesn't matter if it's science or... I mean, Matt's powers are. it, it would right. some radioactive I, something. But Well, I think
0: part of it, too, is... Because keep in mind, this is the same universe as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where you're getting these people who have powers and stuff like that from, a, you know... Some of them from a variety of places. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is focused on a particular avenue of that, but you know, this is all part of the MCU and they're all coming from different places and I think they are using this as one of many occasions to sort of just push us towards the, hey, where they get their powers from doesn't really matter. Right. Like, and, and that's, I, I'm cool with that. Um, it, It's more important that the reason he got it is because he, stack, you know, he threw himself into the way to save somebody, you know, right. and that, that's the important part. Um, so,
1: moving on to grown-up Matt Murdock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um... So we see Matt and Foggy, you know, getting a law office. So we are immediately, uh, actually at the very first, before they said that, I was like, wait, are Matt and Foggy getting an apartment together? Is that what we're, (laughs) but then you realize fairly quickly that it's an office. Um, and we immediately established the dynamic between, um, Matt and Foggy and also how like Matt's kind of like a total player. Uh, yeah. And he kind of sometimes uses his blindness to get the ladies. <laughs> he's like, oh, yes, realtor woman, please, you know, lead me. Show me yep. where to go. <laughs> uh, which I thought was hilarious.
0: <laughs> I, I, I do too. I mean, he's, uh, it's something that, um, shoot, the actor who plays Matt, I should,
1: uh, Charlie uh, Cox.
0: Yes, Charlie Cox. He, from the get go, I liked him immediately. Um, Uh, I mean, I like him as both Matt and as you know, the the man in the mask. Um, The man in the mask. But uh, I mean, I like him a lot. I think he pulls off a good Matt Murdoch. Like he's he's kind of smooth and suave, but you know, sincere when he needs to be. Um, He does like he pulls off the smirk well when he needs to. Uh,
1: (laughs) That he does.
0: (laughs) um, Which again, so starting from the very beginning throws me into the first criticism that I don't really hear people say. A lot of the acting in this is just not my cup of tea. Like, Foggy, man, I just don't buy him. And it's funny because I I love... I love Foggy. (laughs) I love him. No, 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 I I like him a lot, but I don't buy him. Like, I don't buy him for a second. Like, I'm never... So, and I say that where, like, I like the character and I like the stuff he's going through and the way he represents things, but man, like, something about his delivery just... Seems off to me, and I don't think it's an acting ability thing. I think it's a directing thing because he's not the only role. There are several he, roles that I feel that way The only
1: role in this entire movie, I question movie, okay. in this entire show that I questioned was Wilson Fisk.
0: Uh, we'll get to that because that's one of my other. Ones.
1: Uh, but all of the so, others, I felt uh,
0: the the two of them, about. Fisk and uh, Wilson Fisk, and Foggy Nelson are the two the two big ones for me and it's basically the same exact criticisms for them I, I thought foggy
1: came across perfectly fine I I do not have that criticism um, I really like foggy foggy is part of what made me like the show um
0: well, and it's interesting because again, like, there's not—it's not one of his traits. Like, I love the goofiness. I love, you know, love all that stuff. It's just that something about the delivery just seems off to me. And it's kind of the same way about same thing with with Fisk because it's—it's not the way to define the character or anything like See, that. With, it's all in the delivery.
1: Uh, we'll talk uh, about it more when we get to Fisk, yes. but I feel like Fisk suffers more from what well, William Shatner. I must pause. Well, Which... and that's
0: actually again, well, well, when we get to Fisk, we'll talk about that because I will be able to tie it back to more detailed why I feel this way about Foggy. But that said, there are a bunch of little things like that throughout the show where my criticisms are not big. Um, There are a bunch of ones littered that I feel for some reason, I see a bunch of people giving them passes and not saying anything in Daredevil. Where it's like, you know, another show that, you know, other shows where people are watching like Arrow or Flash or whatever, where I, I feel like I see some of the same things and people just always mention them. And I'm like... And I think it really is to the show's credit, because the whole fits so well together that people just don't look for things to nitpick, mm-hmm. you know? And I, Whereas on other, other shows, I think that people find themselves not enjoying them as much as they want to, and then they start finding reasons, like, things to pick apart.
1: I do have to say, Charlie Cox's acting, I thought, was phenomenal. I mean, the only thing I knew him from was Stardust, and he's a complete, like... I completely buy him as Matt Murdock in this show, and then the guy who plays James Wesley, I uh, yes, I, oh my yeah. goodness, like every his his just his delivery, his like his way of being like middleman sinister is just like beautiful. Like I love everything about it, uh, and I I think that actor did a fantastic job.
0: Uh, so we will get there for sure. Um, okay, I have so, so- many feels. <laughs> Me too, me too. <laughs> but we need to start talking about actual episodes. So let's uh, let's talk about the introduction of Karen Page. Oh, Karen. 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 So, yeah, let's talk about her, her murder case. Uh,
1: yeah, they find her uh, over a dead body with a knife. Pretty clear cut, I would say. But
0: uh... <laughs> But not Matt. <laughs> not Matt Murdock, because he knows things. Well, I, I think uh. it's
1: funny. Well, first off, Foggy bribed their cop friend right but really he bribed his cop friend's mom right. uh and then uh they cop called him in uh to be like this girl came in and i'm not sure so much like you know even if the police had told them any details they would probably been like we're gonna hear it from her we're gonna give it a try because they had no clients right, right. so right. they have nothing to lose from hearing this girl talk but also how they completely like schmooze the cops, you know, to be like they're like, Who are you? And we're like, We're her lawyers
2: <laughs> Right.
1: It's like they, she's never met you. She doesn't know you guys from Adam.
0: Right, right, right. Um so yeah, going into that, I mean we're we're pretty clear pretty quickly exposed to the fact that Matt can tell who's lying and who's not based on their uh Which is based on their bodily reactions. To the things.
1: only thing I don't believe, like in the entire show of everything the fact that they specifically tie it to Heartbeat, like Right. You cannot tell Um, me she would not have been nervous in that moment, like, just of telling the story.
0: Yeah, well, and and that's one of those things that we find more and more in the real world that, like, lie detectors don't work because people – some people respond more, like, even when they're telling the truth than some people do when they're lying and so on and so forth. So it's not really – that's not reliable. You know, we can give it a wash because, A, that's just such a core part of Daredevil as a, and, and Matt Murdock as a character. Right. And, B, and, like, we can say, okay, maybe there's other stuff going on. Like, he's also smelling their sweat and the variations in their – and hearing the variations in their voice and so on and so forth if you believe that stuff works. But but it, it, that's a big suspension of disbelief. But once you just accept it, it, you know, okay, Matt Murdock is a human lie detector. Cool. Uh, <laughs> Which uh, man gives him a lot? It's it's kind of a, an ongoing thing, and I will touch upon that again later when we talk about some other aspects. But um, but I think it's a really neat intro to to that. They take Karen's case. Um, you know, clearly they know that uh, he knows that she did not murder anybody and is being framed for this. And so they, you know, Matt basically uh, threw a bunch of through a bunch of uh, going through a bunch of hoops. Eventually, manages to prevent her from being prosecuted. And then also protects her from being uh, from being killed because she knows things. Well, no,
1: it's interesting, right? Like they realize that the cops are trying to. First off, they're holding her, uh, but they hold her too long without charging her. And in such a clear-cut case, there would be no reason not to charge her, which is what they say. Except if it was a setup, and there was something more at the scene uh, that the cops didn't want seen. You know, so it kind of sets up this whole immediately like. Not just not just like mafia, but cop corruption, and uh that it's right. all tied together that there there's this whole corrupt system in hell's kitchen um on the level of like what I feel like un unrelated but slightly related what the show Gotham was trying to do um but this showed it in a different way
0: yeah absolutely i I think that's that is and and it's it's something where even in a show where they know you're gonna keep coming back they establish that whole thing in the first episode, which is pretty solid. Um, they also use this as an occasion to, uh, to introduce Ben Uric, um, because that's how they expose the scandal, which is the whole reason Karen was being framed, um, was because of, uh, Union, the secretary for, uh, she was a secretary for Union Allied, a construction company, um, which we find out over time is involved in a whole lot of things. um, but uh they the idea was to kill the two of them off. Um because they were looking into things or new things that they shouldn't. Um and uh Ben Urich is a good old school journalist who they could trust to publish something important. And so uh they got it to him and he did.
1: And this episode also in- introduces us to our Mafia Ring, right? We get right. uh we get Wesley, who we've already talked about briefly. Um
0: James Wesley, yeah.
1: We get Leland. Uh, we get Madame Gao. We get
0: uh, uh we get Anatoly and Vladimir right. R- R- Ronshikov. the the Russians. Yes,
1: Runchikov or Ronshikov. Uh, and we get uh, Ronskohoff? I don't know. What's it? N- Russians. Nabu, uh, Nabu. Oh, I'm looking. I feel like it's something. Nobu. Like- Nobu. Nobu. Uh, and that they're this ring of all like. I don't know. I feel like it was very clear to me in this first episode that they were all completely disparate groups that don't talk to each other and that they're all brought together by Wesley, who is working for somebody else. And it's this employer. Uh, They don't mention his name. Right. Um, Right. And that, to me, that was very ominous to have this like a Voldemort figure in a sense. Right. Right. Uh, He's pulling the strings in the back. He's not mentioning their name. But I think that was very well played on the part of the show because I think Wesley is such a charismatic character that like to me, I could have almost not seen Fisk at all in this show. Uh yeah. And had been completely fascinated by the idea like the ending reveal could have been like who Fisk was, and I think Wesley could have pulled that off. The actor who played him and the character.
0: Absolutely. Like he was he's fantastic. The whole you know, from beginning to end, he's fantastic. Um anyway, so at the uh at the end of the episode because, you know, they have they find out about this—this this ring finds out about this man in black who, you know, sa- who saved Karen Page. And they, you know, they know that he's a he's a vigilante. He's caused them a few problems. He's messed with some things at a—is his first scene that we see him um, on the docks saving some, um, some women who are being— Yes. Yeah. And so, like, he's been a problem to them on a few occasions now, um, recently. And so they want to deal with him. Uh, and it's the Russians specifically— Order to do right because
1: the russians are one who specifically deal in slave trade uh right. and that is the that is what matt is disrupting because especially for matt that is in one way it's the most obvious uh to immediate human effect crime right, right. like you've gotten kidnapped and you're being sent away uh and two i think like matt Which is something I want to talk about. Matt is such a low-level superhero that he doesn't see the big picture. Like, he just sees this little group that's threatening him. Like, for the longest time in this whole show, he just thinks it's the Russians. Um,
0: Right, absolutely. Um,
1: And I really think that's interesting. I'm going to go off on a tangent real quick. Is that okay? (laughs) That's fine. Go ahead. Uh, When I look at Matt Murdock versus, let's say, Batman. Uh, Because they both ultimately fight the same thing, right? Um, Right. They're both fighting city-level mafia corruption. Uh, Yeah, Batman gets your occasional extra, like, Joker kind of thing. Um, But at their heart, they're cleaning up the streets of their city, right? Right. But Batman is Bruce Wayne, who is such not a street-level figure, right, that Batman knows more of what's going on in the city than Matt Murdock ever will. Because Matt right. Murdock is not the prince of his city. He's not a politician. He never sees the big picture until it's like smacked in his face, until someone like blatantly tells it to him. Um, and I think that's the difference between Matt and say the Avengers or, you know, Batman who goes on that sort of level because Batman's a Justice League, you know, right. um, the Avengers as they're presented in the MCU, they see the high level issues, Hydra, aliens. Things like that and Matt's the guy actually in the street stopping people from being kidnapped, um, whereas Iron Man is not necessarily
0: yeah absolutely, um and I think you know you're exactly right this is it, you know it's one of those things too is matt isn't even protecting new york he's hell's kitchen right you know like he is very focused um, he is very personal as a superhero and as an individual person,
1: right. whereas
0: Batman is you know he might fight people who who do the same kind of stuff that, you know, that daredevils villains do, but, but he is there to save the city as a whole. Like he cares about, he is actively trying to save the city as a whole rather and not one person at a time, but systemically, like, you know, he wants to solve the problem, um, where daredevil is daredevil and Matt, or he's trying to do whatever he can one person at a time.
1: And, And I think almost since they comes from such different backgrounds, right. Um, Batman is incapable of not looking at the bigger picture. Uh right. And part of that's because of how his father taught him. Um, and then depending on your canon, you can say that's, you know, what the League of Assassins taught him or whoever. Um, right. Whereas Matt, it's all intensely personal to him. Like, he saw mob stuff firsthand, you know, as a child. Um, and so he... You know, in many ways, it's save your friends first, everybody else next, and then you know, Hell's Kitchen next because they're your community, and then you know, if that happens to be better New York, sure, that's great. Yeah. Uh, and so, I just think it's it's really interesting because I, I, on one fault, I, on one hand, I think it's one of Matt's faults, right, that he's not as capable of seeing the big picture, but on the other hand, uh, I think the world and people need a hero like Matt who cares more about the individual than the bigger picture.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, you know, again, going to the whole MCU thing that that's what this is about, right? Is you get all, you're going to get much more of these ground level heroes doing things on the smaller scale while the Avengers are doing things on a, on a grander scale.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that's, it's interesting. Um, so, I mean, so going back to kind of this show specifically, you know, Matt, at the end of the first episode, the Russians are sent to, to to deal with him, and to do it, they kidnap a boy, right? Um, and kind which of which is with, which is
1: such a like long shot. I feel like,
0: <laughs> yeah, and and I have some some thoughts about this, but I think that a lot of this stuff, you know, and we'll go into it when we start talking about Fisk. But a lot of this is a lot of the things seem like long shots. But I get the impression that what we're seeing is one thing going on of many, and it's just the one that happens to actually have an effect this time. Right. Um, and, I, you know, d- I definitely feel that way about about Fisk um, towards the end is like, you know, when there are things put out, it's like, I'm pretty sure he's got a lot more going on than just what we're seeing, and we're just being shown the one that, that you know, actually ended up working because – with a lot of the characters, you... With some of the characters, I should say, you get the idea that they are competent. Like, you believe they're competent.
1: Right, the Russians got doing. to where they are somehow, right? Right. Like, they know what they're doing. You just don't become the masters of a New York City mob by being incompetent.
0: Right, and they're never presented as idiots. Like, like even when they're being beaten, like you know it's, it's not because they're incompetent. It's not because they're, you know, they're stupid. It's because this is weird. Like you know, this whole thing is really just not in the ordinary, and and they're kind of you know they might be doing things that are smart you know, but it's just they're not dealing with a normal scenario, Um, which brings
1: us to this boy being kidnapped.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, uh, and so he's kidnapped at the end of the episode, but then at the beginning of the next episode, we're shown, um, Matt's history. Um, we're shown that like he uh, his dad was supposed to. Uh, throw a boxing match and didn't and was murdered after that um, and so now then like in th- in this episode we know that he is severely injured and is found in a dumpster right and we don't really have any context for that other than that we know that he was presumably trying to rescue this boy um, and uh, you know Uh, Foggy is, you know, he's becoming friends with Paige because, uh, with Karen rather, because she's, um, you know, she's been traumatized by all her recent stuff. Um, it's, there's a lot going on. Um, Matt is, he's in the dumpster and he meets Claire, who's one of my favorite characters in the show. Um, I, I
1: really liked Claire.
0: I liked her a lot. Um, and he, she, uh, she actually she doesn't even find him directly, right? Like she. No,
1: a boy finds him and goes and gets her.
0: Right, um, which is neat because it even even that just sets you up as this is someone who someone trusts. Like for whatever reason, this boy decided to go to her when he found a body. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which is cool. Uh, I, I think that immediately gives you, it makes you want to trust her immediately because you know because somebody does. And um, and
1: this is later down, but I don't remember which episode it's in, so I'm going to bring it up now. Um, we'll see later Ben Urick going to the hospital. And then I love that it's like Little things are dropped when the head nurse says, like, my best nurse is missing. And it's like, oh, that is Claire. And then, of course, much later, we actually see Claire working in that hospital. But it's like it's all interconnected, you know. It's like, which makes sense. if This is Hell's Kitchen, which is not a very large area of New York City. It's a very specific area. There probably is one main hospital that everybody in that area would go to. Right, because it's a
0: neighborhood. Right. Like, you know, uh, there's no reason to think there are a bunch of them. And, And that tightness you know, it, it's kinda neat because the show the whole show is so tight and the fact that this all happens in one neighborhood works well for that. It it really helps move that along. It makes this stuff feel plausible. Um so anyways, Claire finds Matt, takes uh takes him to her apartment, heals uh like, you know, fixes him up or D- tries to
1: demasks him.
0: Yeah.
1: I, um, I love when she shines the light in his eyes and she's like Oh no. <laughs> yeah. And then when he wakes up, she's like, you're either blind or. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well,
0: yeah. And it's basically the fact that he's not surprised gives, it right. gives away that yes, he's blind. Um, so he doesn't say his name. Uh, what is the name he gives
1: Mike? Well, she Mike. says, well, I she have to call Mike. you something. So I'll just call you Mike.
0: Um, and that's weird that I, f- I forgot that. That is but, your name. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but it's it's neat though because he does tell her and he doesn't even start to tell her about the like the other stuff until he um, a- until something happens that where he has to tell her what's going on like there, that he has other abilities. There's a
1: man three floors down. This clone right. smells like it's like what what? <laughs> um, I would I would have thought he was crazy.
0: Yeah, well, and the, the neat thing too is that she also gives away like look I hear things I've heard of people being saved by. By this, and so yeah, you might be him. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, so it, it part of that too is like the idea that he's been doing this for a little bit. There's a little bit that she's heard because, you know, she works in a hospital, so she's gonna hear things about people being saved who then end up needing to go to the hospital, you know? And, uh, and it makes it just a little bit easier for her to believe, in my mind, would make it a little bit easier for her to believe in his abilities because, like, well, I know he's blind, so how else is he doing
1: this? Right. You know? Right, because she Um, she would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was blind because you can't control your unconscious reaction to light. I also want to take a moment to talk about the black outfit real quick yeah, uh, just because I was about to say it. and of course she likes it because he's an attractive gentleman and the black outfit is uh, very attractive <laughs> on him. Uh, first off, it is very attractive on him. It is a very tight outfit. <laughs> uh, second off, the mask on it, just every time I look at it, I just think Iron Fist. And That's funny. Like, like seeing the silhouette of him in the black outfit, my mind immediately goes to Iron Fist. Um, and I'm not the only one I know who's had that reaction, so I think it's interesting uh, how they chose, like, sure, it makes sense that I guess he'd tie something around his head, but it, it's just a very Iron, Mi- Iron Fist-esque silhouette that I found to be surprising, I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I uh, I mean, that's neat. Like, the funny thing is I'm so unfamiliar with Iron Fist that, like, I recognize that when you say it, but it would never have come to mind for me. <sighs> um missing
1: out. But...
0: <laughs> But at the same time, like, uh, the thing I really like about it, and I don't think I've heard many anybody say this, I like that the mask, obviously it covers his eyes because he doesn't need his eyes, but um, but nobody thinks that he's blind because, like, okay, maybe the mask is just, like, it's a thin material that he can see through. Right. Like, so what? <laughs> you know?
1: Um, my My only qualm with the mask is that it covers his ears. And I feel like he wouldn't want his ears covered because that I think that's fair yeah because that would dampen uh, sound now on the other hand completely unrelated but sort of related I have the opposite criticism of Captain America's new helmet that his ears are visible (laughs) Uh, because I feel like that gives a bad guy a chance to grab his ears which is Unfortunate, And so generally, I think helmets and hats and things should cover your ears if you're fighting crime. But Matt is the one exception where I feel like so much of his ability resides in his ears that he wouldn't want anything to damp that, even if it's a thin cloth.
0: And it's also not a, a helmet. It's not really protecting him. Right. So. right. Someone <laughs> could
1: still grab his ears. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, uh, so anyways, yeah. So in this scene, he hasn't really earned Claire's trust at all. Um, but he... Saves her because you know there's a Russian coming through the through the building, and and she buys him some time. He knows that he, that he doesn't believe her, and so then he uh, so Matt takes the guy out, uh, taking him to the roof, and tortures him, and um, and tells him where he is, and so on. And it's it's interesting because of course you know Claire's first impression is like, oh, you just killed him. He's like, well, no. <laughs> you know, I, I knew where I was putting him because I'm incredible like that uh, because <laughs> I'm <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but uh, but also the other significant thing is that um, Matt, the torture thing, torture is really cruel, but it works because he can tell when someone's lying. Right. Right. Like. Like, torture, you know, we have all kinds of arguments in the real world, and, you know, people talk about this, and generally, like, more and more evidence indicates that it doesn't actually work because people will tell you things that you want to hear in order to get out of it. But he knows if somebody's lying, and he knows if somebody's telling the truth. So if somebody gives up the truth immediately, well, okay, they're done. Like, he knows. Like, they have an actual out, and he will actually let them go once they tell him the truth, you know? And it's the kind of—and he also knows when to push, and he knows what to respond to. Like, if they— if they're, you know, if they say a little bit of truth and then lie, he knows what they're lying about, right. and that can freak them out, because cause he can p- pick out what detail they're lying about, you know, and, and like, and this is kind of a thread that goes longer, and just for him as a later in the show, and him as a crime fighter, like, if you can call somebody out on specifically what they're lying about, rather than I know you're not telling me the truth as a whole, they're much more likely to give in, you know, and and it's kind of just an interesting thing where it's you know, we can talk about Batman and his ruthlessness and torturing, depending on the version of Batman, and so on. Because he doesn't know if they're telling the truth or not. Mm-hmm. But, but Matt Murdock does. So
1: I also think it's interesting that Claire watched the whole thing, and yes, she protested uh, at a point, but I feel like it says something about her past and her current job. You know, she's I she's a nurse, you know, but she's probably done her time in the ER. Um, I mean, th- I think she said she's works in the ER because um, she saw all those girls come in and stuff. Right. Um, but, like, I feel like it also speaks to, like, how rough Hell's Kitchen is because it's different to see somebody already broken than it is to see someone get broken.
0: Right. Uh, absolutely. Um, at the end of this episode, just, you know, continuing on, Matt, he, you know, he's been given the the where the boy is. He goes to the building, beats the guards and rescues the boy. It's such a great
1: fight sequence. Like, it, it's a really great fight sequence. I just it, really like it. <laughs>
0: that fight sequence, the fighting in the show is amazing in general. Like, the choreography because it just feels so heavy. Yeah. You know? Like, Matt is throwing his body around. He's using the weight of his body every time he hits people. Like, it is cruising. He is not coming out unscathed in any of these fights. Like, some of his own attacks leave him injured. You know? Like, because mm-hmm. he, he flips himself around. He, you know, he's getting scratches and stuff even if nobody lays a hand on him he's getting you know beat he's getting torn up and and it says it's really neat cuz it's it does feel like he's expending a lot more energy than he than is optimal sometimes but a lot of the time even but but you know like i also think that the way he fights would be really intimidating to people because he's just like the way he moves just kind of freaks people like i feel like it would be freak you know freak you out if you were trying to fight that um,
1: I I also think part of it is I feel like Matt needs people to move around uh, when he's fighting them to better sense where they are. Um, I mean, he can tell when people where people are when they're standing still, but like he he wouldn't really I feel like part of he wouldn't really know you had a knife unless you were like slashing the knife through the air unless he could like hear that you know. So I feel like that's part of his tactic. I I don't know.
0: I mean, it depends on how crazy they get with his sound ability. Like, can he hear that the sound is, is uh, you know, I, <laughs> is bouncing off I, of an area? I think in, they, yeah.
1: they make it pretty clear that he can hear when a knife is swishing through the air. Otherwise, he would not jumped, have jumped back as far. Um, oh, no, no. I,
0: mean, I I mean, like, if the knife is stationary and, like, you know along your body can they can he hear that it's bouncing that sound is bouncing differently yeah. off of a certain section know. of your torso yeah i mean i'm I'm talking like really really crazy comic book stuff yeah. but, uh but you know it happens in comic books they could bring it in any day the question is to. matt
1: murdoch a t-rex can he see you <laughs> if you if you don't move <laughs>
0: uh so next episode um is uh let's see Wes, uh, Wesley is now you know Wesley and Union allied and all that. They're aware of Nelson and Murdoch because of you know how they helped Karen. So he's aw- aware of this you know these uh, lawyers with their brand new um, their brand new practice where they've taken one case and he hires them to take on John Healy and uh, that uh,
1: entire opening fight sequence I like didn't watch. I was like I can't even look at this. The guy, like, with, beating the other guy with a oh, like, bowling yeah, yeah, ball. Oh, yeah,
0: with the... Yeah, and so that, that's the thing. is like, it's another... That is probably the one scene in the entire show that I feel like was entirely unnecessary. Like, that scene was not... Like, you could have jumped directly to the end with, like, you know, a body laid out, a bowling ball, you know, on the side, like, a bowling ball sitting there with, with like, blood on it, and the guy, like, walking over putting a gun away and, and then, like, you know, his hands up. Like, you, you didn't need to see the actual beating to know that something happened, and I don't think seeing that gruesomeness really added anything. I, um, I agree, and
1: I feel like we, they were trying to show us that this guy's a cold-blooded killer, but I feel like we got that from Keely's answers to uh, Foggy and Matt's questions.
0: Well, and even just the really smoothness, the smoothness with which he put the gun, because, right, because right. that's why he, he hid the gun and, and uh, in the alley. Right. Uh, um. After, cause what was it? Did, no, he like, hit it um, under a pinball machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Because then Wesley um,
1: went and got it later.
0: Yeah, and, and so it's like you could have even that. Just the coolness with which he put him. He set himself like put that aside and then waited. Like that would show how cold blooded a killer he is. You know, like you right. don't need to see the actual beating or the actual violence uh, at all. Right. Um. So, anyways. You know, you see that whole scene, and then you see Wesley come to, you know, Nelson and Murdoch, and hire them to be the lawyers. and And it's funny because, of course, initially Matt is like, "Nope," and Foggy's like, "Oh, come on, we got to take a look at it." And then, you know, like whatever, fine. He talks. He talks Matt into into talking to the thing. And it's only in that situation afterwards where it actually flips because then it's clear to Foggy that okay, this guy's guilty. Right. We're not going
2: to
1: represent this. him
0: and Matt's like no 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 we need to figure out who why why we're being hired on for this cuz something deeper is going
1: right on. and and Foggy is pissed and rightfully so right when Matt just comes in and is like cuz Foggy's about to say we're not going to help you when Matt arrives Matt who hasn't listened to any of these questions that Foggy knows and just comes in and is like oh we're tote's going to represent you and yeah. you know it it's a huge breach in their trust which i feel like is one of the first you know real signs of the upcoming uh showdown showdown that makes it seem like they like have a physical fight uh between them uh because matt's acting on information foggy doesn't have and that matt's not going to share with him uh and that's unfair to foggy and foggy knows it uh and but he doesn't realize matt has all this other information he thinks matt's just being a little bit of a jerk
0: Right, and and it's, you know, from his perspective, he's like, well, what's going on? You were initially saying that we shouldn't do this, so, um, yeah, it's a very interesting thing, but, um, you know, and they are basically given an, you know, an NDA, don't don't talk about what goes on, something like that, um, and, right, is that them?
1: No, they're not giving an NDA, not about that case, I mean, they're lawyers, so they're not allowed to. That's true. Uh, pay, uh, Karen's given an NDA.
0: Right, 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 um. Anyways, uh, so the whole thing. um,
1: Maybe it is an NDA. I I don't know. I I feel like lawyers have an automatic silence associated with them, though.
0: Probably, Um, but at the same time, yeah, Karen is given one um, because you know she's still alive, (laughs) and uh, and she's you know essentially paid off not to talk. Um, But really, she knows that she's being paid to not be assassinated, right? Right. Like she's like, you know, I agree to this, and the money is. The money is so that they have a contract from the company side of things. it's not so that like because they could just kill her right? and, and, and it's it,
1: it. highly understood that if she breaches it she will be killed. right right
0: um, so uh, but she goes she takes that to uh, to Ben Uric, Um and uh, and then we find out that he's being frustrated because he's now no longer writing real stories. Which is kind of, you know, which he's been forced to write, and part of it is just the larger journalism thing, but um, but he wants to write about this Union Allied thing that he just got to break, you know, and he's not being allowed to do this kind of thing. Um, and this is kind of the, the introduction to that whole thing. But, um, anyways, uh, as part of the law thing, Matt, you know, Matt and Foggy successfully defend this murderer, um, and uh, and after that, Matt confronts him in costume.
1: <laughs> Which he basically completely threatened while he was giving his closing, you know, speech to the jury, like, outside these doors, it's another story, but in this courtroom. It's like, yep, he's going to yeah. go all daredevil on him.
0: Well, and, and it's it's interesting, too, because it's a thing where, as someone who, you know, if you understand the law, it's like, you know, the law, you know, a court case is not about whether somebody did or didn't do something. It's about what can you prove in the, a law, you know... In, in court, I what mean, you have evidence of. Ideally, it,
1: you would like it to be about whether someone did or did not some, do something, but you can only prove someone did or did not do something via evidence. And right. the, the, the way the whole Healy thing was situated is, you know, Matt was right, that based off of the laws that they're working within, there wasn't enough evidence. Right, absolutely. That it wasn't self-defense. I mean, he definitely killed that guy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's... That's true. And it's interesting, of course, because, you know, you can be sympathetic to real-world scenarios where maybe somebody's convicted and there isn't sufficient evidence and maybe they didn't do it, you know, and it's kind of a, you know, and that's the thing about juries and so on. But uh, it it was a really interesting tack. It's kind of the tack that he had to take in order to protect somebody he knows is guilty. Um, (laughs) But if the evidence isn't there, uh, and, and, you know, you wonder how he would change things if the evidence did exist. Right. You know, like, what what would he do? But in this case, he kind of... Had that – and, you know, that might be one of those situations where it's like, hey, look, there's enough ev- evidence here where we really can't – you know, we can't keep him out of, out of jail. And you might have to say so. Like, there's just nothing we can do. But, um, but I, I mean, I thought that was neat. Uh, and then he finds out the uh, – Wesley's employer's name. Wilson um, Fisk. Wilson Fisk, which is really interesting because it's, like, three entire episodes – like, you know, this is the very end of the third episode when we find out his name. That's a quarter into this, like, almost a quarter of the show.
1: I actually thought they were going to go on much longer.
0: I Well, they could have. Well, and part of it was, as you said, that, you know, you you imagine that Wesley could have gone for the whole time. But the reason I highlight that is just because of something that I'll mention later. Um, it's just, you know, note how long, how long in. And, it you know, it's a quarter of the show. I, um, I just
1: think it's really interesting because I feel like if – Going in, I didn't think there was even an option that there would be a season two of this show. So when I was watching it, I was like, oh, it makes sense that uh, they would reveal Wesley's employer as Wilson Fisk. But, you know, now that there is a, like a, a – one minute. Gallon! Now that there is uh, a season two, I feel like part of me feels like Wesley could have been the bad guy. For this entire season, and then they could have revealed Fisk, and he could have been the bad guy for season two, you know? But some of that's just, you don't know you're going to get a season two going in, so.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, But, uh, I I mean, the thing that I'm going to allude to later, it also ties in with this, is that this was a big deal for him to say the name, because the guy kills himself instead of wanting to face the consequences.
1: Right. Voldemort, Um, man. He's Voldemort.
0: Yep, exactly. Um,
1: But we also meet Wilson Fisk at the end of this episode.
0: What was the scene when we were uh, in He's
1: in the art museum.
0: Oh, uh,
1: yes. And he's looking at the painting. And I actually think that's one of the most... The best Wilson Fisk scenes in the entire meeting, movie. Because he, like, doesn't say much. Uh yeah. And he's just very large and intimidating in front of this white portrait. Um,
0: uh, that's also one of the interesting things, is too. When you see him. He immediately looks like a powerful figure. Right. Like, he just... He looks powerful. Physically. Uh... But physically as well as just presence, you know, he its like, okay, I buy, I can buy that this is Wesley's employer, you know, um, which is cool. Um, so then I guess that takes us into, uh, the next episode where, um, they're of course now trying to find, uh, or Matt specifically is trying to find who Fisk is because he can't tell anybody else this name um, <sighs> because nobody knows who he is, uh, knows who Matt is rather that he's the man in black. Um, and
1: the whole thing of this episode is that uh, the ranch, the Russians are, uh, it's, it's ironic that I can't pronounce all these names, uh, they uh, are still after Matt, which the last episode we kind of like forgot about to have like this whole law episode, right? This one right. brings us back to the Russians are after Matt. They are super pissed because he like kidnapped, he got that little boy back. Um, and their trap failed. Um, and they trace him to Claire and they kidnap her.
0: Well, and they know that he knows Fisk's name and that he's interrogating criminals to find Fisk. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, Matt thinks Fisk is part of the Russian operation. <laughs> oh, Matt. Right? Like, that, you know, because... Or innocent Matt. Because what, why else, why would he think otherwise? You know? Right, he doesn't know otherwise. Um, Uh, so, uh, because of that though, I mean, clearly Wesley and Fisk know that people are being asked. So, uh, so yeah, he, you know, Fisk has basically made an offer to help with operations and that is not cool obviously because, you know, these are criminal organizations. It's like, why, why do you think you can come and run our thing better than we can? Um, and, uh, and so of course they want to, they want to stop, stop him once and for all, kill him and so on. Uh, and so they go and they find the guy that Matt threw off a roof to ask him for details.
1: And I think uh, it's important to note that this guy is a cop who was in the pay of the whole group.
0: Which, which guy? The, the Russian? No. Who was in the hospital?
1: Yeah, the one in the hospital. Like, I think he, he is a real cop, I believe. Um, but he, he's a cop in the pay of the mob. Oh, right, okay. One of the dirty uh, cops.
0: And, uh, and, of course, so he tells them about Claire um, because... That's something that they can a detail that they can tie to uh, tie to um, to Matt or to the man in black rather. And so they send men to kidnap her, but she uh, she manages to tell Matt um, just in time. And uh, oh, you know, so
1: almost not because when Matt answers the phone at first, he's like, "Hold on a minute," and then he keeps talking to Foggy, and then he's like, "Hey, Claire," and she's like being kidnapped. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, which is hilarious um, because you know why would you think that something important's going on? Uh, but, uh, so then, yeah, the Russians, they, you know, they get his, they try to torture and which is, you know, he hasn't told her, like, she doesn't know his name yet.
1: But even though she knows the name Mike, like, she doesn't even tell them that.
0: Right. That's true. Um, and of course she doesn't say, oh, he's blind. Like, you know, which is, which would really hurt his, uh, his ability to keep his identity. (laughs) Um, because like, well, there's this other blind guy who's been a pain in our butts, you know? So um but uh yeah, so they, they try to torture her, he comes in, beats the snot out of all of them, which is a lot of them. <laughs> um and then so that puts them into this kind of desperate point where they agree to you know, to Fisk. Um interestingly, so they uh you know, one of the Russians is he goes to tell him personally, and he interrupts Fisk's date.
1: Which, okay, I want to talk about this. Yes. So, first off, Fisk goes back. He, he buys that painting that we saw at the end, and we don't see that he bought the painting, right? But right. he comes back to the gallery to presumably thank her for the painting and then, like, totally hit on her. Right. Uh, and my first thought is, oh, he's one of those awkward dudes that thinks when somebody's doing their job, they're hitting on you. Um, right. Because, let's be honest, it was just her job to schmooze a guy into buying a painting. Right. Um, but then she says no, and he's like, okay, and leaves, and uh, that that's what piques her interest because so many guys, I, I assume this is something that's happened to her multiple times because I imagine an art gallery of that level, you know, makes her a very exotic, uh, desirable kind of woman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is what uh, appeals him to her uh, that yeah. makes her agree.
0: Well, it's not just that too, but the type of people that it would attract are the type of people who feel like they can have what or they should have whatever they want,
1: right? Which right? he clearly so, is not,
0: um, or seems not to,
1: right? <laughs> so, uh, one one other thing I want to say about Vanessa um, is that this show, like, I didn't expect to like the kind of woman who would be with a guy like Fisk Um, because she, she fairly quickly learns the reality of his situation. I feel like, which we'll talk about more in the episode where that happens. Uh, But I did find myself liking Vanessa and I found myself liking their relationship, which (laughs) there's nothing like being like, but I want them to be together, but they're bad guys. What? What? (laughs) You know, if
0: there's it, we, you and I have talked at length about sympathetic villains before and one thing this shows, show does really well is make you sympathetic to a whole lot of the characters. Right. Um, and, that, you know, it's immensely to its credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, like, we will definitely talk about that in details. But, um, for sure, they do a great job of that with Fisk. Is like, you you get it. Um, you know, there's the idea, which I don't entirely buy, but there's the whole thing where, like, no one's the villain of their story. Um or that you know, nobody sees themselves as the bad guy, and I don't necessarily think that's true. I think there are very, very, very rare occurrences where you can have people who are basically knowingly bad. Um, well, but, well, but Fisk is very much like he believes that everything he's doing. Like, yes, there are selfish elements. Yes, there are those you know those things. But he definitely thinks like this is something that's necessary.
1: Well, I think it's interesting, which this more relates to later in the season, but. I feel like at the beginning, Fisk is the guy who knows he's a monster, but he thinks he's a monster for the greater good. Um, right. But because of his relationship with Vanessa, he discovers he doesn't want to be a monster anymore.
0: Right. Um, and yeah, and we'll touch on that because I think this relationship is this show would be much uh, a much lesser show without this relationship. Agreed. Um, so, uh, so yeah, there's the whole you know art art gallery thing. Um, uh, how does how does he eventually get the date with Vanessa?
1: Um, well, he asked, he goes up there and he's like, all awkward. I would like to have a date with you. And she's like, no, I basically, I was just nice to you because I I wanted to sell you paintings. Except she doesn't say that. Um, and he goes to leave and he's like, okay. And he just like leaves. Uh, and she's like, what, you're not going to buy, offer to buy every painting in this gallery. And he's like, no, I don't like people who can be bought, which, you know, as a mob boss makes sense that you wouldn't want someone like that close to you. Right. Yeah. Um, and that impresses her. So she agrees to have dinner with him right then, not right then after later, you know, um, but she agrees to go on a date with him. So that's, he arranges this whole date. Um, and, it's at a restaurant and uh you realize later in the episode like half the people sitting around the restaurant work for fisk um and then i think it's really cute that wesley has to tell him what wine to get and i feel like that's where they start revealing that wesley is not just fisk's underling but he's actually his friend um yep and uh, his
0: friend confidant
2: all of that
1: right i mean wesley is fisk's bff there's really no other way to say it um and uh but of course, then Anatoly barges into the date
0: and that's when we um so of course, you know, Fisk quickly takes Vanessa home and is, and Vanessa's and- kind
1: of she's upset. this, you know? Because first off, she didn't realize that half the people in there were obviously in Fisk's payroll. And second off, you have this crazy Russian guy coming in. Like, what is this? Because she had no idea what he really did at all. And this is her first inkling that he is a more dangerous man than she anticipated.
0: Absolutely. Um, And then, we're introduced to Fisk's temper.
1: Uh, This, I definitely had had to hide my eyes during this and, like, you know, hum to myself.
0: (laughs) So, Fisk, very brutally, like, you know, he himself basically beats Anatoly. He takes him and he beheads him with a car door. Yep. It's and very it disturbing. Disgusting. Uh, and he sends the, and he tells the Wesley to send the body to Vladimir. Uh, and we don't find until, and I mean, this takes us right into the next episode, where we find out that the body is delivered without, you know, without it being told who he's being sent from. Um, and I think the very interesting thing about this is that, of course, the assumption is that the man in black. Well,
1: because... they plant a mask on the body.
0: Oh, there's that. But, and the assumption is, like, well, they don't know who, who the man in, like, you know, for all they know, what the, uh, that first guy, you know, the, the guy a couple episodes that Matt and uh, Foggy had to uh, defend in court, mm-hmm. like, for all they know, the man in black killed him. Like, they don't know that he doesn't kill people. Right. You know? So, um, and they don't know so what his game
1: is. They don't actually know if his game is to protect people or to try to take over the operation or any numerous right. number of things it could be.
2: Yeah,
0: for all they know, it could be somebody from one of the, one of each other, like right. it could be somebody working for one of these other you know criminal groups. Um, so it's it's a really interesting way that that goes forward. Um, we are this situation in the same place where this you know the body was beheaded. We have, you know, the next episode has a discussion with the various leaders, excuse me, with the various leaders of these groups. Um, and we get a, uh, this is when I think we meet Madame Gao.
1: I think we um, already met her in the first episode. Oh, you yeah, did.
0: You're right. We did. But we, um, but he explains the things to, to them and he, then he, uh, and he asks something of Madame Gao. But, uh, but this is definitely, I mean, obviously the Russians are on their way out at this point. You know they—they're Fisk plans to to deal with them. Um, so now you're down to uh, Leland, Fisk, Gao, and Nobu. Um, essentially, they're the inner circle of sorts. Um, we get uh, uh, Matt and Foggy get their next uh, their next client.
1: Madam right? Cardenas. Actually, I guess she's not Madam. Senora Cardenas. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm mixing herdiness. languages here. You know,
0: <laughs> uh, and so they, they get her, and she can't really afford to pay them, um, but uh, they of course, you know, they they of course want to take on her her case, um, and it's basically that, you know, they're basically going to see they're basically she and other people in her apartment complex are basically being pushed out of their apartment building, um, and the argument is, you know, that they're being done illegally rather than through legal means. Right. Um, and so they, you know, they want to, th- they want to help. Um, and it's, uh, and we know that, you know, we learned some of Foggy and Matt's backstory that they used to intern at this very large law firm. Um, what was the, uh, and the, uh, Landman large... and Zach. Okay. Uh, and this, uh, Landman and Zach is the law firm of the, uh, of the businessman who is who runs this apartment building and so they you know uh foggy goes over to talk to their lawyers finds out that it's his ex-girlfriend who is actually you know representing them and that uh and so he kind of that's a character that kind of develops into an interesting thing later um but we're set up to not like her from the get-go which is cool i mean that you know uh I, i think that they do interesting things with her later as time goes on. Uh, uh,
1: small comment, I guess, I guess it's not a small comment, but it's a bigger bag of worms than we probably want to really get into. Um, uh-huh. you know, Marcy is what we would say, uh, very Hollywood over the top hot. Right. Uh, and foggy is like an average looking guy. And, uh, you know, I think one of the, the reasons, you know, they, they, put this relationship in there with this over-the-top hot girl is because they're trying to establish, you know, Foggy's cred or whatever, that he's really a good guy and that tracks people, you know, regardless of his normal looks. Um, but, I don't know, it just bothers me that, uh, and once again, this is a bigger c- concept that we don't have to get into right now, that you could have a show where you have an average-looking guy, but not a single woman in this show is average-looking. <laughs> uh, and, you uh, nope. That's an interesting, I mean, I absolutely
0: think that's a, it is a thing that we won't get into right now, but I think that's totally valid, and yes. Um, At the same time, we also know that, you know, depending on how you set up her looks and stuff, like, we learn later that, you know, Marcy's, um, her values have maybe changed Mm -hmm. some over time, and we also know that, you know, presumably, they used to date maybe when they were in law school, and Foggy was... You know, very successful there, um, and so it's kind of like a you know, depending, right? He he was like,
1: uh, I don't know if he a- had a lot of actual action with the girls. I know he tried. No, no, but
0: I mean, like, academically. Oh, at least, I like, thought you meant you know,
1: girls. Uh, no, 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 no. Academically, no, no. yes, he was very successful.
0: Yeah, I, so academically speaking, because Landman
1: he, and Zach offered them both jobs, and they wouldn't have right. done so otherwise.
0: Exactly, and so we know that they were kind of in that in that respect, they were both very big uh, or very. Capable, And at the same time, we also learn from a later conversation that Marcy's values were once different than she. So for all we know, she could be putting much more emphasis on her looks now than she used to. Um, And and as well, like, you know, she could have been very much impressed by the fact that he's really smart and had, you know, similar focuses. Right. And, and, you know, I'm
1: willing to give the show a pass like I am almost any show because they write it into the story. But it is a common thing in Hollywood that overall bothers me.
0: Yes, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, uh,
1: I agree. So back to the episode uh, with the – when they go to Miss Cardenius's apartment. Yes. Uh, well, well, first off, going back to his conversation with the girlfriend. First off, I really like that Foggy lawyered her because I feel like up until this point, uh, it's kind of been assumed just because Foggy's a little bit goofy that Matt is the real lawyer in the group. Right. Right. Um, but no, this shows that Matt, uh, Foggy is on the same level as Matt and he just completely schools her. Right. Um, right. there's a reason why Foggy and Matt are partners and that's because they are on the same level. Uh, yes, one of them was, you know, slightly higher graduated with a better GPA. Um, but they're both very smart. Um, and of course then, uh, Foggy and Karen go to talk to miss Cardenius again at her apartment. Um, and she's all like, Oh, did you get it all fixed? And they're like, ha 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 no. Um, but then foggy immediately starts trying to figure out how they can fix this apartment and how they can help. Right. Uh, and then of course, miss Cardenia sets them on the most awkward date in the history of man. Um, <laughs> I read someone online describe this as like, uh, a love triangle that Matt doesn't know he's a part of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was just – the whole scene with Karen wanting Foggy to feel her face just came across very weird to me, very forced, and like, why Why is this here? This doesn't even make sense. Like, even if Karen was carrying a torch for Matt, which I think is the implication, uh, I just feel like it comes across very awkwardly in a way that I don't know if that would have happened in real life.
0: <laughs> right. Um, I'd like to also point
1: out that I, I –
0: I mean, at this point, I definitely thought that they were going to try and do something with Karen. And Matt, um, and then I, I'm glad that as the show went on, they didn't really do anything with that. I, I um, didn't
1: think so, just because we had Claire, and I was like, well, clearly, if he's going to end up with anybody, it's right. going to be Claire. And,
0: and they could do something later. Um, now, also fair, you know, fair note to to you know anybody listening, um, and to you, like you know, I've read I read two years of Daredevil, but it was all Mark Wade's Daredevil. I really don't know much of the backstory of basically anybody from Daredevil except for Matt. Except for Matt himself, like that's basically the only character whose backstory I know. Like, I know that Karen is part of the comics. I don't know what she actually like what her significant role is. Um, I I know that there is some significance to her, but I don't know it. Like, I just yeah. know that Foggy's his friend, and that's about it. Yeah, um, I
1: I don't, I don't know about Karen in the comics either. Really, all I know about Matt is the few Mark Wade comics I've read, and uh, the few. Matt and Natasha Romanoff things I've read because for a long time they starred in a comic together and it was Daredevil and the Black Widow.
0: So, um, but anyways, yeah, so continuing on though, we have the, you know, Miss, Miss Cardenas, um, situation. We know that, um, and we know that something else that's really sketchy is going on here uh, as is pretty much the case constantly in the show. Um, while they, uh, and so I think, so Matt goes to the police station in order to see more complaints against the same businessman to see if he can start building a larger case. Cause this is not going to be a case that will be just Miss Cardenas, uh, or Miss Cardenas against, against them. He's going to, they're going to have to build something bigger if they can. Um, and, uh, so it's when he's there, he actually finds out about, finds out that the detective, like Finds out that the cops are corrupt. Like, that's when he finds it out. Because he overhears two cops who are supposed to be doing the, um, what's it called? Interrogation? Uh, The interrogation. There you go. Uh, He hears them knowingly, you know, kill somebody who's being interrogated so that they can't, you know, tell more. And and he knows that the person didn't initiate things, which is, of course, how the crooked cops are going to pose things. It's like, hey, no, we had to do this to protect ourselves, you know, and he knows that's not what happened. Right. Um, which is cool because it makes it so that it, it finally gives Matt, like, he can now be on his guard in this respect. And it's the first time that Matt beats up a cop, knowingly, um, because he takes out one of these cops and uses the cell phone to find why this person was killed. Um, and so he finds Vladimir. Um,
2: bum, bum, bum. <laughs> uh,
0: at the same time, we find that, uh, that... Was it, um, Fisk pays someone to tell Vladimir that Fisk killed Anatoly in order to set up the war against him?
1: Yeah, it's that guy from the first episode who had the girls. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, we don't, we don't realize it when the guy first goes to Vladimir because he goes to Vladimir and you think, because he works for the Russians and we knew that from the first episode. So you think he just discovered it, um, because, you know, uh, uh, Vladimir had said, anyone who can bring me information about this guy gets money. So, you know, clearly that would make his people interested. Um, but then you discover that guy, um, I don't know his name, the, uh, the, the guy from the, the slave trader guy from the beginning, he then goes to, uh, Wesley and Fisk. Um, and it's not just Wesley, which I think is interesting. He gets in the car and it's Wesley and Fisk. Um, and you realize that, uh, this guy's connected. He knows things and he, he knows which way the wind is blowing.
0: Right. Um, And so they, you know, Fisk knowingly basically offers this ward up, essentially. Um, And, and yeah, and so, and then they're basically uh, wiped out by one of Gao's workers, which we don't, I guess we know that it's one of Gao's workers because we know that Gao was asked for a favor, and we know that this is a, you know, presumably this isn't, you know, Right, this we, we a, knew it was what, what someone
1: that the Russians took in, that it wasn't just it wasn't just someone picked up in a cab, right? right. The Russians were like, this was part of their bigger mob um, and since the guy was clearly not one of their guys, you know, it's like, well, who can he belong to? And it was very easy to make the dots that he's connected to Madame Gao. Um, right. And, yeah, it's a really interesting scene, though, because right, cause this guy's blind and he's sitting in the cab and you see Matt through the back cab window, and then Matt you know, goes after all the Russian guys. Um, And uh, does this guy die in the crossfire? I feel like he did.
0: Uh, It's a suicide attack. Wait, wait, wait. um...
1: I feel like there's two different scenes here that were confusing. Like,
0: I think so too. There is a scene
1: where a guy dies. I feel like in the crossfire, but then there is a scene where Matt goes, or maybe he does blow himself up. I mean, there's definitely (laughs) a suicide attack.
0: I think, but I do know what you're you're calling as well, you know. And now that I think about it, I've never thought about the guy that that died before. Like I was just wondering what the point was. Maybe it's, that was the first no, attempt.
1: No, no, that is not the first attempt. That is um, establishing that this system, right? The oh, Russians you're right. are transportation. Madame Gao right. makes cocaine.
0: Uh, yeah, it, it's some kind of drug, right? Yeah, and,
1: and. uh And it's these
0: blind people who can't see the stuff. Who take it around,
1: but the Russians transport them around. So that was our first guy, which I think happened earlier. Um, So I think that's why we're confusing the scenes. And uh, he was killed in a crossfire. Uh, And then now we get Matt going to one of the locations he found in the cop's phone. Uh, And uh, that's when one of these guys comes in and blows them all up. And Matt, like... Matt's still outside. He hasn't actually gone to the building yet. Um, so that's why he doesn't get blown up.
0: Uh, and neither does Vladimir. Um, right.
1: But Matt kidnaps Vladimir.
0: Right. And then, and they're surrounded by police.
1: So the first time I watched the show, this is where I stopped (laughs) and, uh, it was, like, this huge cliffhanger, and I was like, what's going to happen? Like, what's Matt going to do? Is he going to, like, take out cops? Like, is he going to get arrested, and they're going to figure out what's going on? Like, I stopped for a long time. I Like, I had this huge pause due to life um, where I couldn't watch the show, and then when I did watch the show next, I rewatched from the beginning again, <laughs> so it's like I had no idea what happened after this, and it was looming over my head until I got to episode 6. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And that's when you find out that Matt does take out the police.
1: But only because he realizes they're dirty cops.
0: Right. Otherwise, I don't um, think he would have. Yeah, I don't think so either. Like, I, I think he would have done, tried to escape, but... He wouldn't but have blatantly he, hurt them. Right. But it's when he realizes they're dirty cops, they're trying to kill Vladimir because they're on somebody else's orders, rather than taking him in. So he, like, you know, he intentionally saved, like saves Vladimir's life. Takes him to an abandoned warehouse and wants to get answers.
1: And Vladimir and Matt have some bro time in an abandoned warehouse.
0: It's true. Um, and in the, at the same time, we find out that Foggy and Miss Cardenas are injured in the bombings. Um, or, er, you know, in the explosion. Um, and so, um, Matt, uh, he calls, um... Shoot, what's her name? Claire. Uh, Claire calls Claire, gets gets her to talk him through.
1: Ugh, that couldn't look at that scene either.
0: Uh, so he
1: cauterizes the wound,
0: cauterizing Vladimir's wound with a flare. Ugh. <laughs> um, which gets a non-corrupt police officer to their presence. Um, unfortunate and and it, it that's really sad because like, you know, nobody has a reason to trust the man in black yet. You know, and uh, and so he he tries to tell this person, this cop who does not know what's going on is not corrupt. He tries to get him to like, Hey, like keep things quiet. Um, but he doesn't because, you know, he doesn't know that his fellow cops are corrupt.
1: No. And he doesn't know that Matt's doing anything good. Um, also think, uh, going back to, uh, foggy and miss Cardenas, um, You know, they go to the hospital, and it's the hospital that Claire works at, and later we see Claire at this hospital. Um, But uh, Foggy is really concerned for Matt this entire time. Like, Mm -hmm. he thinks his BFF, who is disabled, is out there somewhere, possibly dead.
0: Right. Because there are these explosions, and, you know and yeah it, of course you know he is out there somewhere possibly dead but <laughs>
1: <laughs> not quite in the same way
0: right but not in the way that he needs looking after um, necessarily yeah um uh yeah and and that's
1: it was just so emotional watching that because the the legitimate concern you know even even if Matt wasn't blind uh I think foggy would have been that concerned, but then the blindness on top of that, you know, in such a chaotic sirens everywhere environment, um, you know, if Matt was hurt and he didn't know where his cell phone was, you know, would he be able to find it? Uh, and just, and I think that's, you know, why foggy keeps trying to call him and all these other things. Uh, it's, it's, it's very discombobulating, I think for foggy.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we go back. We know that uh, the two crooked cops that, you know, were the ones involved in that murder last episode, they kind of take control of things and are on Fisk's payroll, and they wait. Um, Fisk actually talks to to the man in black via radio.
1: Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Um,
0: and tells him what he's doing. And he basically says that, like, you know, look, I get it. We're the same in that we both want to save the city, but hey, my plans are more important than yours, you know. And yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, uh, it's interesting the way that that he tells him that like I admire you in a way. But uh, and then Fisk frames the vigilante by having a police, you know, man, by by having a crooked cop fire on other officers,
1: which I think you know it's literally the one thing uh, that uh. Matt can't do like a yeah. sniper rifle. Uh, you know, we never see Matt use guns. We see him throw them away cause he can't, he can't use a gun. Uh, right. And a sniper rifle is like a gun to the extreme. Like Matt could probably use a gun in close distance. Right. But right. at the distance of a sniper rifle, there there's no way that's completely beyond his abilities, which I think is actually, you know, important later. Cause though it's never clearly stated when the truth comes out to, Foggy, like Foggy would immediately know that Matt is incapable of doing this. Uh if he if he accepts that Matt is blind, like this is not something Matt could have done.
0: Right. It's once you get over that initial anger and like wait a minute. Right. <laughs> you know, no, he couldn't have done it. But you have to get to that point where you want to think about right. it. Right. Um uh anyway, so yeah, I mean that happens um and one of the officers killed is one of the crooked ones.
1: Yep. Well, um, it, yes. Or, he- yeah. He's just shot, I thought. He's not dead. He's just shot. He's not killed.
0: He's shot. You're right. Um, not he's dead. shot and sent to the hospital. Yet. Because that's important. <laughs> uh, and then Yurik and other media members look on. So, of course, they think that it's the...
1: The man in black. Uh,
0: the man in black. Um, and then Vladimir decides to give him some information on someone. Decides to give uh, Matt information. What did I say? You
1: just said him in the last... Oh, sorry. Now yes. You, Vladimir you decides to give
0: Eric. Matt... Uh, uh, information because of uh in order to avenge Anatoly's death essentially. He's like, "All right, you you do this." Yeah, they had a total um, bro moment.
1: They did. It was beautiful. And
0: uh and so he gives him information on Leland. Um
1: <laughs> which, you know, frankly is the guy you need to know. Like
0: Yeah, cuz it's like, "Hey, he's the that's money. where the money is." Um and then he gives himself up, so so Matt can escape. Um which is neat because it's like it's not like I like you or anything, but look, I'm not going to make it out of here anyways, and, and I want to take these guys down Fisk, with me.
1: Especially since he realizes that uh, Matt did not kill his brother.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, clearly you didn't kill my brother. Uh, I want to take these guys down. I can't. You might be able to, so I'm going to give you what, what I can and help you get out of here. Um, so that goes on to the next episode, which is a big deal. <sighs>
1: oh, the next episode.
0: Um this episode and we haven't been going with the the titles of episodes but this one's important. It's titled Stick. Um and stick is a big deal.
1: <laughs> I, I have a lot of feelings about this episode.
0: <laughs> like Well, I I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and let you do it then.
1: Uh so first off, we uh w- the first scene is just unknown people in an unknown place. Uh getting the crap beaten out of them by a blind guy, we realize. Uh, so that immediately makes you think of Matt, but it's an older uh, blind guy. Uh, over the course of the episode, we get several flashbacks. We discover that this guy was the guy called in uh, by the nuns at Matt's orphanage um, to help Matt deal with the fact that everything was just too much for him. Um, but then it's also kind of made clear later that Stick came looking for Matt. Um and little Matt, of course, is looking for a father figure And Stick wants nothing to do with that Or so it seems uh, On the other hand, we have Stick coming back to Matt uh, He has to Take down uh, Black Sky is what it's called Not Black Sun uh, And he uh, just says it's a weapon uh, It's a weapon that the Japanese That we know um, Are part of Fisk's organization uh, Whether Matt realizes it or not Which I think he doesn't Um And, uh, they go after, uh, they basically Matt's like, okay, I can do this. I can help you. They go there to, um, uh, stop this weapon. And Matt realizes the weapon is a kid, uh, or a teenager. Uh, uh, and, uh, so stick's going to shoot the kid down with a bow, which I have, I have questions I'm very that goes back to that. the sniper rifle thing. Like I'm pretty sure that's outside of his abilities. Um but uh, uh Matt stops it and um they do not part on amicable terms, uh, but we realize that in a flashback it showed Matt giving Stick this like you know, the kind of stupid braid things that kids make, like out of paper. Uh that uh Stick had kept it. Uh and, um, the things I want to talk about in this episode particularly are, uh, that this is the first time we see Matt using, um, I don't know what they're called, his two little stick things.
0: They're kind of like nunchucks. Yeah.
1: Um, and, uh, also I find the whole black sky thing. Uh, I don't know what the, I, I don't know if that's anything in the comics, uh, but the fact that this stick highly uh insinuates that this is some uh almost like supernaturally powered child right right uh makes me immediately think of iron fist um because this is a supernaturally powered uh child of asian descent we don't know any particular country um but from the iron fist comics i do know of several uh countries that and non-existent real countries, uh, Marvel countries, that have that kind of power associated with them. And so to me, this whole episode just smacked heavily of foreshadowing for Iron Fist, uh, because this Black Sky thing is literally never mentioned again in the entire series.
0: Well, and we don't know anything... Black Sky. I I don't know anything about Black Sky either. I I, I don't either. And um, it is really interesting, of course, that this is what Stick was brought here for. You know, like, it's... It's because clearly, like, Stick is very capable. Um, We also have no idea if Stick has the same powers as Matt or if he's just a regular blind guy. Mm-hmm. Like, we really don't know. Um, you know, I presumably he's got the same abilities as Matt, but maybe not. Maybe he's just way, 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 way better at using what he's got. Which presumably means Matt should be way better than Stick. Right. Because um, the truth is, like, Matt, Matt beats Stick in his apartment, but it's not. Like, it's barely, you know? Like, he's not, he's not much... You still can't even say that he's better than him, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, one thing that actually, probably my favorite thing about this is that, you know, Matt, he tracks Leland down and then he gets tasered by him. Or, yes. Yeah. And, and the only reason is because he got distracted by Stick. Right. Like, because he's like, and that makes you wonder, do you, did he know immediately that it was Stick or did he just know that something was wrong?
1: Right. Somebody else was in the area and he was distracted by it. Um, I do want to talk briefly again about the nunchucks that are not nunchucks, whatever we call them. This is yeah. the only time we see him use them until the very last episode. And it really, to me, was disconcerting in the last episode that suddenly they were part of his uniform. Because this is literally the only episode where he uses them and he's like reluctant to use them. Um, and I feel like they somehow they could have they should have made it more apparent that like this is his weapon of choice or this is a weapon like he could have been hesitant here but we see him more and more pick it up and I've talked to some other people about it and they've mentioned that a couple of times in later fights Matt like picks up like um, pipes and starts like hitting people with it which is possibly part of the realization that he needs nunchucks and not just his fists Um, but I, I still feel like to me that was not very well foreshadowed that those nunchucks would be a pivotal part of daredevil is
0: i agree i think that maybe at the same part where he decides he needs armor um but before he actually has it that should have been like and maybe some weapons too and so he starts carrying the weapons around first and then and then the armor comes with it you know like uh and then the armor comes when it's ready but I feel like maybe he should have started using it more consistently around the same time that he realized, that he decided, yeah, yeah, maybe I do need this armor stuff. Um, because it's kind of that realization, that like, hey, tools aren't necessarily some, like, tools are fine. Um, I, I also thought it was weird. I definitely would have loved to see him use them more, but, you know, I guess season two, we'll see. Um, and it is it is something that just seems very weird. It's like, well, why don't you use these more? But, uh, eh, whatever. Um, I guess uh, at the very end, too, we see Stick talk to somebody else who we don't know, um, and he's basically asked if they can rely on Matt, and, you know, it's kind of an ambiguous answer.
1: Yeah, I, that's why I feel like this entire episode is just foreshadowing for things that we don't see in this series.
0: Absolutely. Um, I agree. Um, yeah, and I'm interested to see what we do with Stick in the future. Um... <sighs> Yeah, I I guess so. Next up, though, um, going into the next season. um, The next season? Excuse me, the next episode. uh, Foggy and Karen are, uh, you know, they've been planning for a while to take down Fisk um, because they realize that he's involved, that he's actually kind of the head person above this the whole building that Miss Cardenas, like the, you know, the businessman that Miss Cardenas was uh, essentially killed through, you know like, died, you know, through the, through that whole, her opposition to it and so on. um, And they, and he is introduced to Ben Urich as well. Um, They are, it's, it, of course, interesting because we know Matt's sort of hypocrisy, but sort of understanding of, of things. And he, you know, he is very much a fan of wanting to take things down through legal means. And so he actually is the one who says, hey... Take Fisk down legally, like go
2: through the legal I, system. I, I think
1: it's both hypocrisy, it's both its belief in the legal system, and it's not wanting his friends to get hurt, because uh, he knows how dangerous the world is. Um,
0: and, and he's he's also one of those people, like, he wants things to go, anything that can go through the legal system, he wants to be done through the legal system. And it's almost like, to him, he sees that, that line where all the stuff he does on the outside, is to bring stuff to the legal system. Like, with the cops thing, like, he wanted to bring, uh, what's his name, the Russian dude, um, Vladimir. Vladimir? He wanted to bring him to the cops, but then it was when they were corrupt and so on, and we're gonna shoot him instead of getting information, that's when he fought against it. Like, he really does want to bring people to the police. He really does want to do all this legally. He wants to get the information so that lawyers can take them down, but he knows that other people are doing things illegally, and so he's going to do what he can to to fight that until they can, you know, until he can make it happen. Um, which, you know, there's all kinds of justification and so on that's not necessarily reasonable going on there, but that takes it, you know. Anyway, so all said and done, though, he, he encourages them to take Fisk down legally. And at the same time, the man in black visits Ben and gives him information on Fisk, you know. Potentially to help him take him down legally, um, but uh, and then in flashbacks we see we we learn Fisk's past, um, which plays well to the.
2: I, I don't sympathetic villain. Yeah,
0: it, I don't know that it plays well. It the the kid's obviously. I mean, he's obviously demented, but um,
1: I would not say that though. He's a kid who's being brainwashed and tormented by his father. He's in no way to me demented. Uh, or not not demented.
0: Well, you don't have to, just because it's somebody else's fault doesn't mean you aren't. I I, I don't
1: think he's, I think demented is a strong word. I, um, I mean.
0: I mean, I would say he has a damaged mind and it is his father's
2: fault. It is a damaged mind, but
1: it's an overcomable damaged mind. People come back from that, which is why later, like, I don't. This is skipping ahead some, but Karen eventually discovers what we discover in this episode, which is that Fisk killed his father. And personally, I don't get Karen's reaction at all, uh, that if I go public with this, everyone will be horrified. I'm like, no, everyone would completely sympathize and be like, yeah, I would off that dude, too.
0: Um, And I don't know. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with her reaction, but at the same time, it would hurt his credibility some.
1: Right. Like but she you know... she goes too extreme with it as if he like cold-blooded murdered somebody when on one like when he first hit his dad his dad was like intimidating and beating his mother. It wasn't like right. It wasn't like his dad was sleeping and he shot him, you know? Right, absolutely. Uh, This was definitely a heat of the moment, like, I have to protect my mother thing. And yes, he kept beating him afterwards, but that was very much, I think, a reaction both to his entire life of abuse and the moment, you know? And because his father earlier in this very episode had told him not to stop hitting somebody else, like... uh, Right. And it's taking out that pain on his father's corpse, you know, but... Yeah, I, I just see it as a very sympathetic situation that I feel like, you know, when I see stuff like that on the news, because you do, uh, it's very sympathetic, I think. And you're like, I really can't blame this kid for killing his father because his father was beating his little brother. Like, to an extreme, you know, not like his father, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, and then there's the... Um... Yeah, and, well, and then there's the, the weird part with his his mother then dismembering the body and disposing of it in a river, and that's ugh, gruesome to think about. Yeah,
1: but I think it's kind of part of the reality of the world they lived in, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. They couldn't just go to the cops. Right. Plus, if they yeah, did yeah. that, it made it look like the guy who was after him for money killed him, which meant maybe then they got away with not owing that money.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true.
1: So, but then the interesting thing about this is that this episode, outside of that, is of course, you know, Karen and Foggy go to Yurik. They all have this, like, crazy plan. Um, and, uh, Yurik starts writing an essay. And the exact same thing he's writing, uh, Fisk goes public, um, and says almost the exact words York is writing, uh, that he can't stay in the dark and he must come out in the light and, like, presents himself as this very posh public figure. And seeing him standing there, you know, uh, Fisk on the TV, you know, he has Vanessa on one side and Wesley on the other, like, they do make a very, like, posh set. Right. Yes. This is yeah, not is. someone you look at and think that's a criminal. You look at him and you think, oh, this is like an up and coming businessman slash politician who uh, uh, like that's his girlfriend and that's his legal aid, you know, and uh, it, it it looks normal.
0: Yeah, and it's actually it's really interesting, too, because, again, they were getting ready to put this, you know, scathing expose and so on, get this, that stuff out there. And it is Vanessa specifically who tells Fisk to go public. Right. Um, and, and that's a big and deal. And that relates hey. back
1: to what I was talking to you about at the beginning. I feel like at the beginning of the show, Fisk knew he was a monster. And this is about the point where Fisk realizes, not that he's not a monster, but maybe he doesn't want to be a monster anymore. Right? Like, right. He has Vanessa in his life, and he wants to be the man that she thinks he is. Uh Cause she like like the things Fisk has has told Vanessa, he's greatly controlled the flow of information to her, right? So he right. told her he took down the Russians, but who were doing all these horrible things. But he never told her that like he was part of the organization that was doing all these horrible things. Um, so she wants him to be a hero, and he wants to be that hero.
0: Absolutely, and it's it's um, you know again it's one of those like if not for Vanessa and if not for the timing then they would have gotten you know they would have gotten him kind of you know right but but she and it's it's kind of like i remember groaning when that happened i was like oh because you know they had him and then they didn't um because now he's basically given all the information like you said he's pretty much exactly what ben Yurik was gonna write just spun a different way.
1: Right. So uh, he beat Ben to the punch and now Ben can't publish that.
0: Yep. Um, So that, and that goes straight in the next episode where now they all want to get his past, like figure out what's gotten, what's happened in the past because there's got to be something there since we know he's crooked and we know he's not doing this for noble reasons. We need to basically uncover that stuff.
1: I love, love, love the scene where Matt goes to the art gallery. Yes. First off, it's like two smooth talkers smooth talking each other. which is <laughs> so funny. I'm all about that. Second off, the look of holy crap on his face when Fisk walks in, right? It's just like yeah. he did not expect that to happen. Um, But yeah, it, it's such a, the way Vanessa and Matt play off each other in that scene, I think is very nice.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it, it was really really clever because of course like you go in you know a small part of me almost expected Matt to like flirt with her in a way but it it didn't really work like that it was more of a like these are two people who know that they're playing off of each other but they're not like into each other
1: right they're, they're both uh, charming people who are being charming at each other but it's almost right. charm for the sake of charm uh, right and not to actually schmooze the other person
0: I, I like that charm for the sake of charm that's good um so yeah, I mean that that was really neat. Um it was it really is a great scene. It's it's a really really fun one. Um the again, uh Matt continues to basically say, "Hey, you guys really need to go through the legal system for all this stuff while the other three are trying to cover uncover stuff through back channels." Um and then uh this is when Miss Cardenas is actually killed. Um right? Right. Yeah, yeah yeah and so and she's killed by i guess a junkie yes of some kind and uh and then um yeah so they uh nobu and it's funny because nobu has played a very like well i guess he and Madame gao have played pretty much no role so far um just talking every once in a while um Rem- but remind we remind know... me at the
1: end that i have thoughts about both of them
0: <laughs> okay uh, sounds good i do too um but uh This is the first time Nobu really starts to get involved because Nobu's been promised something that he hasn't gotten yet, uh, which is a city block, and it's a particular city block, and it's because of the... It's Miss
1: Cardenius' city block.
0: Exactly. It's her city block with that particular building, which has been protected by... uh, What's it? uh, Nelson and and (laughs) Murdoch. Which, yeah. So, um, Fisk agrees, but he knows that he needs a specialist in return to deal with the vigilante because that's the barrier um and nobu uses himself um which i guess is a pride point you know um i'm sure he's i mean he is very capable obviously and we learn that but um anyways fisk makes a public speech designed to lure the black uh, uh, the the man in black out and because matt's pissed off about elena's death he wouldn't have come out if she hadn't have died but because he is he, uh, he goes to the abandoned warehouse where he's been led to. Um, and this is a trap, you know? Like, this whole whole thing. the Like, think about how elaborate this trap is, too, you know? Like, because Miss Cardenas is killed. Um, the junkie's there. Of course the junkie's going to give up the this particular warehouse, you know? Um, but, and that's the thing is, this is what I meant when, earlier when I said that there are a lot of different threads. Like, I don't think that... Wilson Fisk meant necessarily that the guy who we hired to kill Miss Cardenas is going to be the one who's going to get the you know, the man in black to us I think that they probably seeded that information about where this warehouse was to a lot of different people and, and to a lot of different people who did a lot of different li- illegal things so at some point the man in black would beat somebody up over something that they did to find Fisk And they would have a location, and it would be this, you know? Um, It's just that this is the one that he took. Like, that's what I assume is going on.
1: Before we go much further, I think this is an important episode to talk about Matt and his Catholicism and his chats with uh, the coffee priest.
0: Yes, yes, that's right, the coffee priest. I forgot about it. How long ago did we first meet the coffee
1: priest? I think we meet him in the first episode when Matt's confessing.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, but True. this is
1: the episode where they have a deep talk about um, whether it's okay to kill and about yeah. the devil. And, I mean, most of Matt's that we see in this episode not fighting Nobu, because we always go back to that, is him with the priest. Um, dealing with the fact that he... Matt is ready, he thinks, to go out and just murderize Fisk. Um, right. Straight up. And... Uh, but Matt, of course, is worried about his immortal soul, uh, but also about the, what happens if he doesn't do it. Um, and, uh, yeah. So Michael, what are your thoughts on coffee priest? <laughs>
0: um, I mean, I, I like him a lot. Uh, I like his interactions a lot. I like that. He is essentially like, he's pretty non-judgmental, but not stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he, he clearly knows more is going on. He kind of figures things out. Um, he knows Matt's history as well. Um, more than apparently other people do. Um, I like his interactions and in that he realizes Matt is tortured over things and he doesn't know what lines Matt's crossed and what lines he hasn't. Um, and he's very much a, like... I don't know. He, he seems... And maybe it's maybe I've seen this more in media lately, but I feel like he, he seems like a really good representation of the kind of like, hey, like I I realize I'm in the actual world and not, you know, uh, but yes, I am firm in my faith. And here, you know, and like there are reasons I believe what I believe, but I also know that the world is tough. Um, I don't know. I, I really like it. I like the fact that like Matt does seem to be clearly tortured by this and doesn't doesn't seem to be just be using his Catholicism as an excuse. Right. Um, uh, which is a trap that they could have fallen, the writers could have fallen into is just like, okay, Matt using it as an excuse and that's it. But, well, I
1: think it's interesting because um, this Matt, you know, killing Fisk is something at this point he really wants to do, but he also right. knows that it's something that he's not sanctioned to do in the eyes of God, right? right. Uh, and, but he also knows that there are scenarios where, you know biblically and stuff where it's considered okay you know if you're a soldier or whatever you know there are ways to get around these so is he a soldier like how does he fall in this dichotomy is it revenge is it justice because uh, right. these are all the weighty issues that Matt is dealing with and I like that we get the the feeling that this is like through the whole show Matt is not he doesn't come across to me as a Christmas and Easter Catholic right, uh, right. he comes across to me as a guy that is you know very much concerned about, you know, the state of his faith and his soul and his relation to the universe. Um, and I appreciated that the priest as well, like, when Matt asked the priest if he believed in the devil, I was ready to go, oh, they're gonna go that route where, you know, here's a priest who, you know, just looks like, oh, no, there's no devil, you know, uh, just shrug it off, you know, despite, uh, any biblical uh thoughts on it and then i was really impressed that they went into actually like you know the translations of like yes an early bible you know it is just translated as adversary but then how this guy had a personal experience with someone who was just evil um and like how how it, it was just like a really intelligent response that i felt like i could have gotten from my pastor you know right um and i really appreciated the realness of of their whole relationship throughout the thing, that it, it strikes me as a real like a real faith struggle, a real uh, spirituality to Matt and uh, to his life.
0: I mean, in short in and shor- uh, short terms, it did not feel like a Hollywood priest,
1: right? Yes, that's it, exactly it <laughs> like this. Is a, it,
0: it felt like a conversation that he could be having with an actor. You know, it,
1: it felt like a Jim Butcher priest.
0: <laughs> that's true. yeah yeah like this is a character who believes in this stuff and, and you know for real rather than uh, jim butcher priest is a good way to put it because uh, uh, jim butcher yeah,
1: writes I, you know we've heard him talk about it before but he writes everyone's religion as seriously as they take it um and right. a lot of times we don't see that in hollywood and i feel like daredevil took catholicism as seriously as catholics take catholicism
0: right which i which is pretty great i think i agree um so yeah, big, big fan of those interactions. Um, which takes us back to the scene where, you know, Matt is conflicted. He goes, I, I suppose, with the intent to kill Fisk. I think that is um, his
1: intent, yes.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he has the intent here. Oh yeah, because he discusses this later. Um, so he he does have the intent to kill Fisk, but is instead confronted, like, he still fu- he fight, fights Nobu and is totally outclassed. He is, oh. he is just... He is not on the same level as Nobu. Like, Nobu is clearly better. Um, He's severely injured. He's severely losing. And the way he gets out is, one, is he's just incredibly resilient. Um, And Nobu compliments him. He's like, you are an incredible, like, you know, clearly I'm better than you, but you are good. You know, like, this is not a, you know, he's not taunting him for being weak or anything. He's like, no, 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 you're really, really good. Like, this was...
1: And uh, Matt knows how to take a hit. Yeah,
0: and, and Matt knows how to take a hit. And the way he wins is... You know he he could not have won if holding back from killing. You know because the only way that he got out was by lighting Nobu on fire <laughs> intentionally. You know like and he's like, well, I can if I can just manage to like pour this oil around. You know get get him covered in that and then I can create a spark. I can light him on fire. I, I mean and that's clearly intentional, but.
2: Right,
1: so uh, And it's
0: an awareness of his surroundings, but it's very specific surroundings that he's aware of rather than just surfaces to fight with. So before you
1: know. we move on to what happens next, uh, Matt kills Nobu. Like, yes. He sets him on fire. Um, so I... This relates to kind of what I wanted to talk about high-level about Nobu and Madame Gao. Um, I read a really interesting article that uh, when I first watched Daredevil, it did not occur to me, but on... Rethinking over it and some of these things, um, I understand somebody wrote a really great article about um, Asian racism in Daredevil uh, and how almost every Asian character is uh, bad, which kind of is a side effect of what we're seeing, right? Just like all the Russian characters are bad. Um, But the most disturbing fact, I think, to this writer who wrote this article was that um, Matt pretty much kills nobu um and yes you know you can argue self-defense but on the other hand matt did go into this fight you know rip roaring uh and you don't really see the implications There, just the with the quickness of the things that happen after this episode and all the like momentum that keeps going uh you don't see matt go back to the priest and go holy crap i killed somebody uh what does that mean for me um And uh, I thought that was a really interesting point. Uh, It almost makes it seem like Nobu's death is inconsequential, which I don't think it would have been for Matt. Um, Even if that was not the person he intended to kill, he still killed somebody. Uh, And I think that would have weighed heavily on his soul.
0: You know, I wonder about that. But I also – because it's not just the self-defense thing. It's the literal – I mean the thing that gets to me on this is that the literally I would be dead if I hadn't killed him scenario like that
1: yes but um, he matt went into that fight with murder in his soul if you will right he did
0: um but i also think that he only went into it for one person i do not think like once he knew that he had to fight nobu i do not think he intended to kill nobu from the beginning i think like in my mind the way i saw it was like okay well i will kill fisk but only fisk
1: I I and... still think it would weigh heavily on him that he killed someone because we have no indication that Matt has ever killed someone even in self-defense before. And sure, as sure. we've seen from, you know, a- as we will see, uh from Karen, like killing someone even when it's you or them is not uh trivial.
0: Yeah. Um I mean that's true. I don't know. For some reason, something about the context of the martial arts thing, when like, because, and this is interesting because this is the only time we see Matt in this situation. It's the only time we see him where he is clearly outclassed and about to die. You know, like there, there isn't another situation like that. Um, Because, you know, any other, any other situation. I
1: mean, I agree that he would have killed him in the moment. Like, I'm not disagreeing that it was Matt or Nobu and that he had to kill Nobu. Not Nobu. Yeah. I, I just think that Matt would not have, uh, I, I think it would have weighed on him a little more than it didn't happen. <laughs> well, and the thing is, I,
0: I guess I can't decide if I think that it would or not because of the fact that, uh, you know, with all of his conflict about his, how he feels about killing and so on, like, yeah, I can imagine a scenario where he's very clear on, like, no, no, no. if I get pushed into a corner by somebody like this and I'm about to die, like, my conscience is clear on that. But what about these other situations? What about the deaths of several others, but I'm in a position of power over the person and so on and so forth, like, you know, and I can manage to accomplish something else, you know, if I can get them to the cops rather than me killing them, if I can, you know, all that stuff. Like, I I can imagine a situation just because, like, I guess I can imagine a world in which he has already thought through to himself so that he's basically can can see himself as in the clear in that particular type of situation but doesn't know how to deal with all the other ones. Um, again, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, maybe it should have, maybe it should have come up once. Um, maybe, if nothing else, maybe it should have come up in a conversation where, like, you know, it's I can easily get past something like this but not something else. Like, maybe it's something he could have said to someone else that would show that, no, no, he feels pretty okay, like, regarding this one situation. So, it probably should have been addressed. Um, but I can buy a situation in which he's okay with it. So, I don't know. Well, moving um,
1: on. Uh, yes. Matt kills him, and Fisk arrives. Bum, yes. Bum, bum.
0: Um, And he beats him almost to death, but doesn't take his mask off. Which, uh, really? I, I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, now granted you could also assume I would have no idea who you are, so... Like, That's true, but... very,
1: uh... What <laughs> is it, when What's-His-Face takes over Wally West in that episode of Justice League? It's like, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. who you are. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. It's uh, Lex Luthor. Yes. Wait, is it Lex Luthor?
1: Yes. I don't know, no. I haven't actually seen the episode, I've only seen the gift set, so...
0: i can't remember if it's
1: regardless it's a bad guy who takes over the body of a hero and says now i can unmask you and he unmasks him and he goes wait i have no idea who you are now this is a slightly different situation because if he had unmasked him wesley would would have known who he was right and wesley was there Um, because he tells wesley to shoot him
0: yep and uh and matt gets away but you know having been shot um and he uh, collapses at home, and Foggy finds him.
1: Oh my goodness. And... That And that's the end of the episode. Moggy, Foggy, yeah. uh, Foggy, Foggy unmasking um, Matt and being like, holy crap. And uh, this is another case where it was like two days later, I got to watch the next episode. So for like days, I was just like, how is Foggy going to react? <laughs> it was very stressful for me um but yeah uh then we go on to the next episode nelson versus Doc.
2: yep oh
0: man um so big fight foggy is rightfully pissed um absolutely rightfully pissed uh that he doesn't know about this thing that his best friend does doesn't know about his powers um
1: i love he's like are you even blind
0: And I really like that because it's like, well, of course he is. But at the same time, he's like, but you can see. And I don't like how Matt says yes because it's like, well, no, like my eye – you know, yes, like I understand the intent is – yeah, obviously I can tell when the girls are hot. Like yes, I can tell when – you know I know exactly how many fingers you're holding up, that whole thing. But there is the whole like my eyes literally do not work. Right. Thing like I cannot tell you what color that thing is. Right. No. I, I thought like, that was I,
1: Matt's response was very weird too.
0: Yeah, it's like Matt. Like you're a lawyer. <laughs> you know how this stuff goes. You're like, okay, my eyes physically do not work. No, like you know, you could poke my eyes out and it wouldn't make a difference in terms of how much I can can or can't see. Right. But a lot of stuff you would think people can only see with their eyes, I can still tell. You know, and it's kind of a. That's neat. Um, Uh, One thing I really
1: like about Matt and Foggy's whole fight, like over this entire episode, right? This is a huge fight. Uh, These are two guys that, uh, you know, have like a brother relationship. And um, multiple times we've seen Foggy, I don't want to say, I'm going to go with it, spurned by Matt because of Matt's vigilantism, right? Where Foggy goes to Matt's house and Matt's not there. Um, And we see Matt coming in hurt and Foggy doesn't know why. You know, an accident and stuff like that. We get the history of their relationship in this episode. Um, And one thing I really appreciated from the actors and I presume the writers and the directors is both Matt and Foggy cry about this. Like they're literally crying as they fight each other, right? They are visibly, physically upset that they are fighting with each other. Um, and it's not often we see men cry in, uh, TV shows or movies, and certainly not because they're in a fight with their best bro. Like, usually <laughs> it's they cry because their dad died, or their mom, <laughs> or their girlfriend, you know, it's like someone's dead. Like, whereas, like, you know, guys have real emotions in a situation like this. The level of betrayal that Foggy feels like he's dealing with, right? Uh, and, uh, the, the level of what foggy means to matt like it just comes across in this whole episode
0: yeah yeah um i i mean i agree totally it's like that these two people matter a lot and, and matt is sitting here, he's like yeah no i was wrong like he knows he knows he's screwed up you know um yeah and it's a big deal like it, i i do like the fact that you know again the title this is another episode i mean you you called out the title nelson v murdoch and i think that's a big deal like because that's what this is about it's their relationship that is finally like this thing is out in the clear and now they have to deal with it Mm -hmm. um
1: this is also the episode where we get the phrase avocados at law
0: it's true (sighs) good times because of the and that's from way back when they uh from their whatchamacallit way back when their um flashback
1: it's it's funny because uh, i had recently read a story before i saw this episode about a kid who grew up uh bilingual uh and he spoke spanish and english and when he was little he got the word avocado and lawyer confused um in spanish so he would go around his house demanding i want a lawyer um (laughs) instead of i want an avocado uh which so i actually knew it like this Pun, i understood it <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> even though i don't uh, speak spanish at all yeah
0: um this episode also has something else that's really big happen um karen kind of cruelly uh not kind of very cruelly uh tricks ben urich into helping her find this yeah. mother.
1: it's kind of cold karen
0: it is really cold it's um uh way up in a nursing home in upstate new york um and they get information about Fisk and find out that you know that he killed his dad, um, and then um, then several people are poisoned in the uh, at the event that Fisk goes to,
1: mm. um, and you know Leland is there. Leland hands the glass to Vanessa. Takes a glass for himself, but he does not drink. Yeah. And but he makes a big deal that he almost did. Uh, and when he gets to the hospital, he, I, I immediately suspected him of the poisoning Me just too. just because of what a big deal he was making over the fact that he almost took a drink. I was like, no one makes that kind of deal, big deal about it, unless they're trying to take suspicion off themselves.
0: Right. Well, and there's the fact that like this dude is very capable. You know, like, you know, it's funny because he's not, he doesn't have the
1: confidence that the
0: others do all the time, but...
1: No, I think he does. I think no, the... No, bum-
0: confidence, not competence.
1: Oh, I was like, <laughs> he is very competent. No, no, no,
0: no, no, no. He, yeah, he's, he's competent, he's not confident. Like-
1: I, I think, though, the bumbling fool is part of his act, right? I, I don't, I'm not sure he's always... As incompetent, uh, in conf- unconfident. Well, so,
0: so that's what I was, I was getting as like he doesn't have the same confidence, but he's not like it's clear he knows what he's doing, like you know, and, and so this is mu- a bit much. This is over the top, I think. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I thought the same thing. And
1: of course, in this episode, you know, we're introduced to the idea that Madame Gao and Leland and all of them are not very happy with the way things have been going. How Fisk has like taken off, you know, several branches of their group um we know that they are not happy with vanessa and her effect on fisk they want fisk the monster they don't want fisk the man um and so that's why they decided to off vanessa um yeah Yeah.
0: Um, and take out whoever else they needed to in the process yep um yeah it's i mean it's a big deal big uh big episode yeah and of course karen
1: Um, learns from fisk's mother in this episode that uh fisk killed his father
0: right exactly and um and we it is is it here or in the beginning of the next episode that the phone call is made
1: it's the next episode because that doesn't happen i know this very well uh (laughs) <laughs> All right. well, let's
0: let's go into the next episode lead us i in.
1: i will michael i i would gladly lead us into uh what is probably one of my favorite uh episodes of the whole thing um so uh vanessa's in the hospital um she is uh fisk is really like like i don't want to say obsessed because you're not obsessed when it's someone you love like on a hospital bed um but he can't think about anything else he can't think about the business he's just really focused on vanessa um matt meanwhile what he is doing is um he uh he discovered in the nobu episode that fisk's um suit was more stronger than he thought sorry yeah incorrect english going on um so he went after the guy uh he went to find the guy who makes his suits he finds this guy um i don't know his name um let's call him suit guy melvin potter melvin potter uh (laughs) and uh they have this fight that seems like a big bad fight you know but then we discover that melvin is not not entirely all there um and in fact seems to have a very childlike demeanor um, when you get down to it, um, and that Fisk has threatened somebody else. That was and that's
0: heartbreaking. Why, like I started to tear up when that, I,
1: I was just like, oh my gosh, how would you, how could you deal with that as Matt? Like, you know, being it's like, like, well,
0: and especially not just, not just deal with it, but like, oh my gosh, I just start. I was beating the, uh, beating on this guy. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, no, that
1: that's what I mean. Like, how could you deal with the fact that you just beat this guy? You know, like I wouldn't say he beat him up because right. Melvin held his own. Uh, but like he made an assumption based on the fact that this guy was big and hulking and working for Fisk, you know, when it's not the reality. And he discovers that Fisk has, uh, someone close to Melvin. Um, and that's why Melvin does this. And he basically asks Melvin to make him his own suit, which, bum bum. bum. Yeah, um,
0: I
2: wonder,
1: <laughs> meanwhile, uh, so Karen and Ben located the mother, you know, they had this whole conversation with her, um, as you know you would think the mother would uh she calls fisk to tell him about this but fisk ignore, ignores the phone call um because vanessa right she's like right. and he knows if it's his mom calling and not the hospital i'm sure he's like well she's not injured right she's just calling to ramble so he tells right. wesley and wesley goes to take care of it he calls her back and i just really like how wesley's demeanor changes when he's talking to her he's like trying to be like oh i'm fisk's good friend wesley you know like it's just very much like a son's friend calling a, a the mother you know
2: right exactly. um
1: but then he hears something that is very disconcerting and basically he hears that Karen and Ben went to visit Fisk's mother and he knows that it has to be taken care of but he knows he knows that Fisk can't deal with it right now so he goes to take care of it himself and he leaves other people in charge of Fisk's welfare so he goes and he kidnaps Karen um and they end up in the scene Sitting at a table across from each other, and um, I have a lot of feels about this scene. I may okay, I so <laughs> I transcribed the entire scene, uh, Michael, like okay. word <laughs> for word. At one point, um, because that's how many feels I had about the scene.
0: <laughs> okay, so you have more feels than I do. I, I won't, I won't fight you on that. Uh, but I, I do have feels as well. Um, but I'll, I'll go ahead and let you you do your thing, and I will just add any comments that I have.
1: Okay, so there are a couple of things I find really interesting about the scene. First off, Wesley's not on camera when the scene starts, which is like, where was he? I don't know. <laughs> um, he walks into the room, and uh, Karen tries to escape, but clearly she's uh, drugged, and the drug is affecting her body. She's, like, paralyzed. Um, and she almost, like, falls over, which you know, logistically, if you're going to drug someone like that, I feel like you should put them in a chair with arms so that they can't fall over. <laughs> um, but that's beside the point. Um, so she almost falls over. Wesley stops her from falling over. And an interesting thing I I thought was that Wesley, like, pets her hair, which is really weird. Um, and, like, does he like her? Does that explain why they didn't just straight up kill her, you know, amongst the other things? Because uh, he thinks she's cute, you know, or whatever? I, you know, um, I wonder,
0: then, I wonder if that's tied to just the the history that that they have like the fact that if she disappears now like there there were already connections through other other scenarios kind of a thing. I don't Could
1: know. be. I mean it's I feel like I I feel like there's a lot of emotion in that pet that speaks to their history or something, you know.
0: Maybe. Or Wesley could just be weird. He
1: could just be weirdo. Um <laughs> but uh basically he just like completely lectures her. Uh, and the quote in particular that I want to pull out of one of his monologues, cause he monologues a lot in this little section, mainly cause Karen can barely talk, um, is he said, uh, you were supposed to go away, Miss Page, fade back in wherever people like you fade, but you made a choice and that choice brought you here on this night at this particular moment in time, perhaps that the way it was always going to be, perhaps we're destined to follow a path none of us can see only vaguely sense as it takes our hand guiding us towards the inevitable. And I feel like that's almost like a capstone for the entire series. You know, like there's so many things working that push these people towards where they're going, you know, like a, you know, hand guiding them towards the inevitable and you know matt might say it was god fisk might say it's like well he was the mob boss pulling the strings behind everything so you know he's the invisible hand guiding a lot of people right um and i just think it's interesting because wesley means that to karen to be like everything in her life let her hear that she is going to die when really as we learn later it's the reverse right uh right. Uh, and I just think that's really poignant that it's like, this is Wesley's death that he's monologuing about. And it's still just as accurate for him as he thought it was going to be for Karen. Um, right. And then of course we have uh the other thing I think is interesting that Wesley says that's interesting about his character. And I think dictates or not dictates uh, explains a lot about his relationship with Fisk uh, is when he asks Karen, if she loves the city um, and he says he doesn't uh and she's like well you should go away and he's like i'm not here because i want to be here i'm here because i'm needed uh and he talks about fisk and the way he talks about fisk like he loves the city um in a way that he doesn't expect you to understand and how you know then he like he morphs that into talking about the mother which is how karen realizes that's why she's in this situation um but it's just like wesley doesn't want to be in new york city he doesn't want to be in Hell's Kitchen. He's there because of Fisk. And it's like that's when I think I really realized that this wasn't just a one way that – I guess I thought up to this point, I thought uh, Fisk thought Wesley was his BFF and Wesley just thought of Fisk as his employer. Um, And I feel like this is the moment when I realized that Wesley thinks of Fisk as his BFF too. Um, yeah,
0: absolutely. Like, like they, he has a genuine love for Fisk and that is why he does everything he does. Right. Like that. that's it.
1: Uh, then the scene keeps going and of course Wesley uh the way he words it is that he offers her a job and Karen laughs and uh but his her job that he's going to offer her is that she has to basically denounce everything she's been saying that Fisk is evil and convince everyone else that Fisk isn't evil or else they'll kill everyone she knows. And of course this is very disconcerting to Karen. Um and uh he pulls out a gun and uh looks as if he's going to shoot her, but then he sets it on the table, um, and uh, she picks it up and points it at him. And I really thought they were going to go with some lame trope of, like, she points it at him, but she can't shoot it, so he gets the gun back. Uh, but no, she straight up shoots him. Well, no,
0: but before that, she, he he bluffs.
1: Oh, yeah. He's he says like, there's nothing know, in the gun, that it's not loaded.
0: And, and I like that a lot because it's like, well, you know, he could have... Because you believe him when he says it, Because you believe everything Wesley
1: says. He says it with such conviction. Like, that's his character.
0: Exactly, because that's who he is. That's how he delivers things. Like, he does such a great job. It's like, well, if he's going to go out, he's going to go out doing everything he can to avoid that. Mm -hmm. And this bluff is one of those things. And it
1: fails, because Karen does what I think a lot of us would do in that situation, which is you know you're going to die, so you just straight up shoot the guy. Like, you know, that's... Yeah, but you have to. And I was i, I don't know. I was so proud of and her. And it's not just that
0: she was going to die; is that the people that she loves might. Right, too.
1: everyone was going so. to die. Like he threatened. Uh, he threatened Matt. He threatened Foggy. He threatened everyone, um, including her family, which may or may not exist because we've never met them. Uh, right. And yeah, I was. I you know, it's strange to say you're proud of a fictional character, but I was really proud that Karen just straight up shot Wesley, even if it made me really sad that Wesley died because I really loved. Wesley as a villain. (laughs)
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's really interesting, too, because, of course, that's just the very end of the episode. Yeah. Right? And you're like, and nothing, you're like, well, what's going to happen now? (laughs) Um, and and it's just, it's really interesting, too, because Karen isn't Matt. Like, Matt could deal if he ended up killing somebody. Karen, like, you know she's going to be a mess. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just no way. She's not going to be able to deal with the fact that she just killed somebody. Um... And, you know, as we find out later, that's how things are going to be borne out. Um, yeah, so I guess, I mean, we can go straight into the next I episode. I think we We're should. Finally... Yeah. Um, Matt totally takes down Madame Gao's smuggling operation. No, so it's a
1: really weird scene, right? Where he goes in there right. and they're all blind and he realizes that and he's blind and they're blind. And they come after him like zombies. And, and then Madame Gao, oh, this is another thing that I think directly... I can't remember if she says it here or she said it to Fisk, but she says something that to me directly linked her to Iron Fist. Um, and it was something about like where she was from or the city she was going to. And she didn't.
0: Uh, she says that to Fisk at the end when she leaves.
1: Right. Because um, um, it, it makes it sound something more exotic than like China. Right.
0: Absolutely. Uh, the, the, I, I mean, I thought the same thing, not thinking about, uh, you know, Iron Fist or anything like that. Like I was like, that sounds like it gets to be something magical or alien in origin. Like the way that she said it definitely was like, that is, that sounds otherworldly um, to me,
1: which is, you know, iron fist uh, is from a magical city. K'unlun I think it's called. Um, so that's, and that that's why I thought of that. I was like, they are foreshadowing heavily in this entire series for iron fist. I feel like, um, which, on one Maybe sense, so? I think makes sense because out of the four defenders, Iron Fist is going to be the hardest for people to swallow. Yeah. Um. um so yeah, Madame Gao is now out of the picture. Um, <laughs> uh. Karen
0: is suffering.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: And can't tell anybody why, or won't tell anybody why. Yeah, she
1: is. could, but she won't. Um. Ben. Uh goes to his editor and uh, basically quits um, when his editor won't let him post his thing and accuses his editor of being in Fisk's pocket. Uh, and um, is this the episode where Matt and Foggy come to terms with each other again? Or does that the next episode?
0: Um, I think... Yeah, you know, that's the final episode that they okay because
1: they're still upset with each other, which is part of what's hurting Karen. In addition, and I think that's why even more so she feels like she can't talk to either of them.
0: Yeah, and and this episode though, Matt and Karen do start talking right again um, because you know she's been upset with him too because he would like disappeared and was you know wasn't responding to them when things were going on and whatnot and and so on. So like he upset her as well, especially because she kn- like knows how much that he upset Foggy. But, yeah. Um, But they make up here. Uh, Yeah, it's weird. I don't feel like plot-wise, as far as the whole season goes, a lot happened in this one. It's more, like, emotional setup for the Yeah,
1: and it's a lot of the Madame Gao stuff. He does does spend a lot of time in the factory, um, and then you have the whole conversation between Fisk and Madame Gao. Um, And then, of course, we have the ending scene.
0: Yes. Uh, Which is... You know, Ben has decided since his editor won't publish his stuff that he's going to publish his thing online uh, as encouraged by his wife in a very limited moment of um, of clarity uh, because she's not all there most of the time. And Fisk breaks into his apartment and strangles him. Yes. Which is just.
1: And it's like it's like that they have a whole conversation though first is the thing like and he's writing this article to expose Fisk that never gets published i assume um and uh yes it's it's very uh disconcerting oh i also wanted to bring up that there is something about Karen that we don't know and we know we don't know throughout this whole series that there it's is true. some reason why she's an unreliable narrator and could not put this stuff up herself. Um, something in her past that both Ben knows and she knows, but we don't know. Um, cause it's alluded to several times where Ben is like, you could just do it yourself. Or he's like, why should I trust you? You have this whole thing in your past. Um, cause he says she's an unreliable witness. Uh, right. and that's why it had to be Ben who was going to publish this thing and why Karen isn't as much of a threat. Um, and, uh, Oh, also in this episode, I mean, uh, Fisk discovers uh, that uh, Wesley is dead, and that is part of why he kills Ben, right? Um, Because
0: he's enraged.
1: Right, uh, because Wesley was his BFF, and now his BFF is dead, and they don't know who did it. They don't know Karen did it, because Wesley didn't tell anyone where he was going, which uh, I think is also part of what made... uh, Karen brave enough to actually shoot him. She knew there'd be no repercussions from the mob because they wouldn't know it was her. Um, cause nobody knew Wesley was there. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Fisk, like any hope I think that Fisk had of becoming like more than a monster, you know, because of Vanessa's influence, I think was completely erased by Vanessa being poisoned. Plus combined with Wesley's death. uh, those things just completely unhinge him, and I don't think, like, not that I ever thought he could come back or whatever, but, you know, I'm. he reached a point where I was like, oh, I believe the city would believe he was good, and could believe he's good for an extended period of time, but because of these two events that happened to the people who were closest to him, I don't think he's even capable of hiding his rage anymore.
2: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Um... Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I, yeah, I don't really have anything to add there. It, it really is. And it, it's just kind of, it really does go back to what we just said about the previous episode with regards to um, to the fact that, like, these are two friends who really, really loved each other. And, and Fisk already has his anger issues. And if there's anything he's going to be super pissed about and not be able to control himself over, this is it. Yep. Um,
1: Last episode yep. titled Final episode. Daredevil.
0: Man, that was a tough one to come up with. Um, (laughs) uh, So, yeah, Ben Urex Funeral. Um, Foggy's not there.
1: No, because they're still mad at each other. Right. Which Karen is furious Um, about, because...
0: And rightfully so, because it doesn't really matter that you're mad at your friend. This is somebody else who died, you know, (laughs) and being involved in stuff that you were also involved with and, you know...
1: Yeah. yeah, and one thing that hit me throughout this entire episode was that Karen still does not know. Um yeah. Foggy does, but she is being, she, like the she never knows throughout the this whole series. Uh and I right. feel like in this episode specifically because Foggy does know and Matt and Foggy do eventually become on better terms, um it's just very apparent and like I felt like it was like a a palpable tension almost of things she doesn't know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because keep in mind, if she did know, she would probably tell Matt that she killed the guy. Yeah, like you know, that's that's a big thing. Is like he, uh, you know, I'll get to this later because it's a it's a rant I I have, I mean, and it's not just superhero shows. It's like people keep secrets from other people, and all, and and in general, like, and it's true in real life too. But man, like, especially in shows, it's like when you when you're keeping a big secret from somebody a lot of the time that means they will not tell you things that you would both be better off if they did. you know. And it's just sure. kind of like this weird perpetuating thing. Anyways.
1: Yeah, no, completely agreed. And it, it sometimes puts those people in more danger, but that's a separate yes. uh, discussion. Um, oh, yeah, we could talk about Flash. I have not <laughs> caught up on Flash, but the entire time you were saying that, all I could think of was Iris West. Iris West. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <anyways>. um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, oh, this is the... Uh, episode where um the partner of the guy who got shot by the sniper rifle <laughs> i'm sorry yes. i don't he's a cop the
0: the other of the two big
1: corrupt right cops. um fisk uh has him and uh well we we totally skipped over that he totally murdered his partner um, yeah yeah, yeah. We, so we fisk did. still has him because of course if this guy's story—if if he gets found by Matt, uh, that's the end, right? This guy knows everything. Yeah, and uh, so that's kind of like the MacGuffin of this episode, almost, right? I mean, it's not really a MacGuffin. Do you know what I mean? It's the, not. The,
0: yeah, I mean, this has been set up the right. entire. It's like, it's the thing so. that's being
1: sought in this episode, like that they have to get it because they know with with Urick gone, not writing the article, there's nothing they can do there, right? They know they can't take down Fisk through the law, but now. know, oh, I I skipped the reconciliation, but Matt, Foggy and Karen get together and they're like, we, if we find this guy, uh, we, we can take down, or I guess is it maybe Matt just does it on his own. Maybe he, I mean, he does find him on his own, but now I'm getting confused. Yeah.
0: I mean, he, he basically, uh, and is it even, is it Fisk who has him or is it Owlsley who has, uh, like Leland who has him? It's Leland who has him. Right, because right?
1: Leland was holding him in his pocket against Fisk.
0: Right, because I think I feel like Fisk would have just killed him.
1: That's right. So Leland was holding him because he knew that if he brought him out, Fisk would be taken down. And Leland felt rightfully threatened by Fisk because Fisk took everybody else out. Um, right. So of course, uh, Fisk kills Leland anyway. Yep. Because uh, he's Fisk, and that's that's what he does.
0: And he kills people. And, and of course, it's funny because earlier Madame Gao was like, you know, why would you treat me so differently from anybody else? And is like, no, I mean, I respect you in a way that I don't respect the others. And it's just like, she she is so much more capable than he is. Right. Like, you know. It's and, fear. And it's cool that it's established that way. Um, yeah, he's afraid of her, not anything like not anything else, honestly. And the fact is, like, she knows. And, you know, she knows that she, he couldn't handle her, but he, if he could, he would.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and... Uh, and so yeah, like th- this is just inevitability. Once he started on that weird path, that w- that was it. Like he was, this whole thing was gonna fall apart. And that's probably a bigger part of why she left than the, than the stuff that yeah. Matt screwed up.
1: Um, so Matt and Foggy reconcile. They hug it out in the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I feel like there's still a lot of hurt there on both sides. But they're both kind of like we still love each other, and uh, we've. We still want to be friends and partners and, uh, we've got to put this behind us for the greater good.
0: Yeah. Um, then, uh, Matt, it, so he finds the detective who Leland had, um, and beats the snot out of everybody, keeps him alive, convinces him to testify. Uh, and basically is like, look, I'm going to keep you alive. That means you're going to testify. Like and it's a really big deal too because when he goes in, is like basically they're like, well, why is he doing this? And uh, you know, at one point, and Matt as his lawyer, what what does he say? Like, no, no, there's there's no trade, there's no bargain, right? Like, yeah, he's he's doing this because he feels bad about his involvement, yeah. And and to in a sense that it's a like you would see the look on the guy's face, you're like, that's kind of an accurate. Statement. Well, he like, killed
1: his partner, and I don't think that's yeah. anything he'll ever. ...be able to move past, right? Like, that partner, you know, for all that they were corrupt, they were friends. Um, Yeah. They were brothers, and they... He had to kill him to keep his own life.
2: Yeah.
0: And and there's the thing is, he knows, basically, there's no way out. Like, if I don't die... Like, if I die because I talk here, I I will have been killed anyways. So I may as well talk. Like, you know, because I feel terrible about this, and this needs to be said. Um... And it's neat because that's kind of the angle that Daredevil is a unique hero, in that like he could convince this guy to do it, and you buy it, yeah you know
1: um um and then because this, this he confesses against him, like Fisk is arrested, and you have this whole montage of like celebration, and I just felt pain in my chest while that was happening because I was like, this you know episode's not, not over, <laughs> and it's Daredevil, it can't end happy. <laughs> Um, so, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, sort of. But then, so he, um, so there's the whole thing where he, he gives the, you know, Fisk proposes to, uh, to, what's her name? Vanessa. Um, but To Vanessa. Gives her the ring. She
1: gets arrested. I
0: mean, he gets arrested. <laughs> he He gets arrested. Uh, but then, you know, breaks out in custody like while well in custody because you know people are in his pocket as usual um yep but then Matt has his new armor and tracks him down and fights him
1: I may have freaked out when Matt appeared on screen in the armor uh <laughs> granted I like Matt's black outfit a lot better um but the armor of course is safer for Matt and it's iconic uh, the yeah. only thing that, like I said before, that ha- made me hesitate on the armor was his nunchuck things that I was like, why does he even have those? Like, uh, and I'll also
0: say that it's kind of stupid for it to be red. Yeah. Because he may not be able to see, but other people can. And red's easier to see. Yeah. Music.
1: Granted it's black and red. which I thought was kind of silly that like only certain portions of it are bulletproof. I mean, I guess there was only a short period of time for uh, that guy to make it, but it's just like,
0: well, but even then I think that it does make sense too, because remember if the, if the reason he wasn't wearing armor before was for mobility and this, well, I guess you can't make like, you know, the areas around his joints probably need to be, you know, give him the same kind of flex that he had before, that kind of thing. So, I i, I mean, I guess I buy it to a certain degree. Um, but anyways, though, like, Matt and Fisk fight, it's pretty brutal, but Matt is clearly the better fighter um, when he's not already injured. Yes. You know? <laughs> uh, um, and, uh, and you know, Matt's tempted to kill him, but he doesn't. And Leaves him to be Yeah. Uh,
1: and, uh, and Vanessa he... was waiting for Fisk on a rooftop, right? Because that's where yes. he was trying to go. They were going to leave the city and go to Italy? I think because he already so, yeah. sent his mother there. Um, right. And uh, so she's waiting by the helicopter and Fisk doesn't show up. So as she agreed, she leaves without him. And uh, I don't know. I was kind of hoping Fisk would die and Vanessa would come back in the next season as the big bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she has that. I, like, she's a very capable person. Y- yes, but, but you
1: know, her lover is killed. I, they, could, they could have spun it, but, you know. <laughs> uh,
0: but so the cool thing, too, is I like which cop found him.
1: Yes, the the the, the know, cop they bribed with the yeah, their friend, the cop
0: who's friends with yeah, them, the one really. they like, grew up you with. Know, that's yeah. why he's the only so, cop
1: they can trust. That's why you know Matt in a lot of his instructions was very specific. You have to you know he told you turn yourself into this guy, this cop. like he's the only yeah. cop I can trust.
0: Yeah, so he's like you turn him into this particular police officer, and that's who the detective turns himself into, and then he's the one who finds him, and he's like, hey. I've apprehended Wilson Fisk. And he's like, "Oh, wait, you're him." <laughs> and that's a new outfit. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um and uh and he's arrested and then so Vanessa leaves like you said. Uh our team celebrates their success Ooh. and keeps doing what they're doing and then the media names him Daredevil,
1: which they had already been calling him the Devil of Hell's Kitchen. So right. it's the next step.
0: Right. Um, so, where do you think next season is going to go?
1: Uh, well, I obviously think that Kingpin's going to come back. Wilson, we have not yeah. seen the last of Wilson Fisk. Um, I'm not sure I can say anything about where Daredevil is going to go until I see AKA Jessica Jones. Um,
0: I wonder how they can do it. I with, in terms of Wilson, Wilson Fisk with the Kingpin, because like this show has tried to stay pretty in pretty decent water in terms of like legal. Legal, and it's like I feel like there's no way for Wilson Fisk to spin this so he is legally free in New York. So is he just going to go underground? Is he going to deal with things from the shadows, like or from the outside, like? But I, I mean, testimony pretty ironclad. Yeah, lots and lots of cops now now arrested. Lots, I'm sure, lots of it's been corroborated. You know, at this point, so like it, it seems like he can't get out of this legally.
1: Yeah. I I like I said before, I was actually really surprised we got a season 2 at all. Um because I didn't think that was ever part of Marvel's plan, that that it was in the cards. Um I thought that the way these shows were going to play off of each other was when we'd get four standalone shows um that uh uh build off of each other, but there's no season 2 that then all build into The Defenders. Um so I'll be really interested to see Like How they cross over, if they cross over Um, cause Daredevil's obviously our first one So nobody crosses over with him Other than I think there's some heavy handed setup for Iron Fist Um The next show is A.K.A. Jessica Jones Which has obvious crossover Between her and Luke Cage Who is getting his own show But he is her boyfriend And they've already released set pictures of him in the show Um but you know, will Matt Murdock appear in that show i i don 't know you know it kind of makes sense to me that a private eye and a lawyer would meet over the course of their lives um, right. and so I, I was very shocked that we were getting a sec- season two of Daredevil because i didn't i didn 't think that was the plan at all, and uh, I will be really interested to see where they go with that. I hope of course, Claire comes back. I hope they build on Claire and matt 's relationship because Claire just kind of disappeared in the second half of the season. Um, yeah. which I think made sense. Uh, but I really ship Claire and Matt and want to see them together.
0: I imagine depending on how long the show goes, um, I imagine Claire will be romantic interest one and then Karen romantic interest two, and it'll be played off as a, she's liked him from the, from the I day. hope not.
1: I sincerely hope um, that's not how it goes. <laughs>
0: um, but who knows? They could also change things up. Maybe you know. Maybe there's the like simple interest between Claire and Matt, and then it just doesn't doesn't quite work, and Claire gets taken and gets interested in somebody else. I, I'm so tempted to look these characters up on Wikipedia because I'm sure like they're actual characters from the comic, and that more goes on there. Um,
1: well, I'm pretty sure Claire. Uh, so, from my understanding, uh, I'm not sure if Claire herself is based off of any character in the comic. Like, in name. Like, I don't know if there's a Claire Temple in the comics. I'd have to Google it. But, uh, there is a similar character called, uh, the Night Nurse, um, who is, like, the nurse for the Heroes for Hire, um, which is who the Defenders are, um... So, I would not be surprised if she shows up in other series. Oh, it looks like she is a comic book uh yeah, character. I just looked her up um
0: uh it's actually Claire temple is the is a romantic interest of Luke Cage, and in her earliest portrayal let's see she she encountered Luke Cage and the two, uh when he was injured and then they became romantically involved so yeah,
1: so like I said, I would not be surprised if she comes up in other. Uh, series as the nurse who takes care of them, and certainly in the Defenders uh, in that capacity. Um, then they might even keep her being an ex of Luke Cage, and that would tie her into Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. Um, so...
0: Or she could end up becoming an interest of Luke, of Luke uh, Cage and be no. be one of the crossovers no. in the... Uh, just just, just the- accept
1: now, Michael, that if Luke Cage <laughs> and Jessica Jones don't end up together and have a baby, then Everything's okay. wrong. <laughs> well,
0: maybe they have to take time to get there.
1: Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Um. Yeah,
0: so. Yeah, so I just looked up Karen. She is apparently a long running romantic interest of Matt slash Daredevil. So, so the, they have. The, basically, the authors have options depending on how long the show goes. Right. That, that's really what it is.
1: Um. So yeah, Daredevil overall, what did we think?
0: Loved it. Um, Thought it was really good. Thought there were a couple of scenes that could have been less gruesome, but I think it sets up a lot. I really want to know more about Stick. I really want to know more about Madame Gao. Uh, I want to see more involvement with Nobu's organization, because it's not like he was the most powerful person from the organization, he just was the one in charge of things in New York. Uh, Or at least in Hell's Kitchen, right? But like, he's from Japan, there's... Clearly, something more going on there. Um, I'm interested to see if they use the same organizations as you know criminal organizations in the other shows, and uh, and if they just continue to build one large story for these other, you know, for the other Defender shows.
2: Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
1: um, so I I did like it. Um, I think if it wasn't a Marvel show, I would not have watched it. Um. I would not have watched past the first episode of my own volition if it was not a Marvel show. uh, Just because it's a little too gruesome, uh, too dark. But that said, I really did love all the characters. um, And I loved the story, obviously. I just spent like, you know, three hours waxing, wixotic about it. Um, (laughs) But uh, and I think it's really interesting because I do not like comic book Matt Murdock what I've seen of him like at all I pretty much don't like him uh so I kind of went in it with this bias against Matt and came out loving him so I thought it was really cool of the show that they were able to change that um and uh change some of the attributes I'd find I don't like about Matt in the comics and make them uh, Not that he still doesn't have them, but just the way they come across is more understandable or sympathetic. Um, So I really enjoyed the show. I will watch season two. I will watch Jessica Jones. I mean, it's all Marvel. I will watch it.
0: (laughs) You know, one of the things that I think separates this a lot, especially from, say, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or The Flash or Arrow um, or the Marvel movies This does not feel like a superhero show. It feels like a show. Like, it it happens to have a superhero in it, but, like, I just really feel like, you know, a lot of the time when we tell people, yeah, such and such is a good show for a superhero show or it's a really good superhero show, it's like, I think Daredevil's just a good show. Um, I think it's a really well-done piece of work. And, yeah, like, you have to want, you know... I, I don't think you need to be in the mood for a superhero show to like it. I do... I mean, you do have to be willing to watch something that's kind of gruesome and that has some action in it. Um, But the, but the intrigue and stuff, it's not a, it doesn't feel like a comic book. It feels like, uh, I mean, yeah, it feels like something that was made for TV first. Whereas a lot of the other stuff, I mean, I love The Flash. And part of why I like The Flash is it feels like a comic book in TV show form. Um, you know, and this is different. It's like, I really like this because it just feels like a show that is really good. That happens to be based on, you know, this weird comic booky cr- comic book crime fighting character. But, um, I don't know. I, I like it. It feels very different from all the other Marvel stuff, all the other superhero stuff out there right now.
1: You know um, what I realized we didn't talk about, but we mentioned what Wilson Fisk and his acting.
0: Oh, it's true. true. Um, yeah too too halty and pausy, and it really feels like he's trying too hard to me um it yeah.
1: the the thing that got me um and uh is that he lacks charisma so much uh that I don't believe he'd get that high in that organization um and part of it is yes, he piggybacks off of Wesley but because i'm me of course. I Googled the ages of the two actors and there's such a stark difference in their ages that Fisk would have been around a lot before Wesley. And so maybe he didn't rise to power until Wesley came into his life. Um, But I I just, I don't know. I feel like while he is intimidating, he lacks the ability to verbally intimidate that I feel is also necessary.
0: I think that the way that I would you know if we accept okay this is a universe where he did get his way in so how did he do it i would say that it was probably something along the lines of using his body you know and and not in like using the fact that he could it's not i mean he's not smooth uh but if he had if he could get resources he is smart uh and he could make things to your advantage until you're backed into a corner um and honestly like if he gets to the point where He gets you into a closed room and kills you one-on-one. That's cool. (laughs) Um, You know, if that's what he needs to get done, that's what he needs to get done. You know, if he's like, hey, I know who their number two is. I know that I can talk their number two into helping me out. Let me just kill off the number one myself. Um, Because he clearly is not somebody who shies away from getting his hands dirty. Uh, And I guess I believe that. I bet you – I mean, I'm I'm sure that things – accelerated for him once he had um, you know, Wesley around, because...
1: Well, and, and the only other thing I can um, rationalize from his backstory is he mentions very briefly to Vanessa that he traveled extensively in Asia. So I can only assume that that's where he met Madame Gao and got his uh, Yakuza connections. Y- Yakuza? Yeah. Yakuza? You know what it... Yakuza? I don't know. I can't speak...
0: Uh, it, it, it's Yakuza. I
1: can't speak so. English, let alone any other language. <laughs> um, but... Uh, uh, so I assume he made those connections over there that he then brought over here yeah 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 I suppose so um, and, and, and his more meek manner might have helped him with characters like Madame Gao. right so
0: yeah but suppose I and potentially like if they're like look we really we want someone who can be you know calm and chill and then just like you know go crazy when necessary but uh, but be an imposing figure behind the scenes, and is happy to be a, an imposing figure behind the scenes rather than a hothead. Um, I, I suppose so. Like, and you know, he could very much get to his position with the aid of people like Madame Gao and so on. Um, especially if he makes them promises about things from his home that he knows better than they do. You know. Um, yeah, I, I think that's so I did. I mean it kind of it wraps things up I'm definitely looking forward to whatever is next from Marvel um kind of looking forward to the end of the season of Agents of the S.H.I.E.L.D. as well uh,
1: tomorrow night
0: is that, t- is, <laughs> that t- is tomorrow the finale yeah the
1: two hour season finale of course when oh, this podcast airs it won't be tomorrow right, <laughs> right
0: that's true <laughs> um yeah so I I mean I'm interested in all that um also interested in how Arrow and Flash end and uh, lots of other comic book stuff um It's a good time to be a comic book fan who isn't reading a lot of comic books actively.
1: (laughs) Unlike me. (laughs) Uh.
0: I, uh, yeah, I've... I I mean, these things always come in phases, but I have temporarily burned out on reading comics for the most part, um, following just a few here and there, but...
1: Yeah. uh. Yeah. All right, well, I think that's it on Daredevil.
0: Yep, it sure is. Cool. Um, I'm going to...
1: Stop are crying, you going to wrap no. up this episode with, like, you know, Twitter and all that? Like,
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. It's been a long time. Uh, well, so, yeah, for those of you who are listening, uh, you can find our website at uh, triviallycrucial.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Triv Crucial, although we haven't really updated that in a while. But we will when uh, this podcast goes up, Michael. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We will. Uh, and, uh, you can follow me at, uh, Alhim, A-U-H-I-M on Twitter, and Mandy, where can we find you? Uh,
1: at Brown underscore Aja, A-J-A-H.
0: Cool. Well, uh, until next time, uh, keep watching way too much comic media, and, uh, I don't know, reading, watching, playing video games, all that stuff, because stuff matters. <laughs> <laughs> to me, at least. <laughs> oh, good times. Do it for me, and,
1: that's why. And that, that's why I read, Michael, for you.
0: That's, that's why everybody reads. Everybody just reads. For me. <laughs>